Alexander Watanabe is the creator and artist behind Unsigned Algorithms, a study of color through the use of code-based, process-generated art. Unlike most NFTs, unsigs are stored completely on-chain. This differs from the norm given that most rely upon data stored outside of the blockchain they exist on. Alex took a fresh approach to this paradigm and found a way to produce art that is both mesmerizing in its beauty and fully native to the Cardano blockchain. Over one year after its initial mint, the Unsig collection continues to attract a fervent community at the crossroad of art, innovation, and a genuine hunger to explore this technology. Our conversation was recorded on November 3rd, 2021. You are listening to Artists on Cardano. To support this podcast, please subscribe and follow us on social media. You can also donate ADA to dollar sign Arts on Cardano, that's A-R-T-S-O-N-C-A-R-D-A-N-O, to help us document the ever-burgeoning landscape of Cardano NFT creators. And now, a conversation with Alexander Watanabe. Yeah, so I, I guess the, the, the simplest way to think about UNSIGs is um, I was a designer who is used to kind of identifying unique problems, right? Who mm-hmm. You look at something and it's kind of unsatisfying. And, and I, I looked at NFTs and I was like, huh, why would someone pay for the receipt of something? And, I, and for me, the most obvious way to improve that statement was to say, like, what if they weren't paying for just a receipt of something? Right. And, yeah. and so uh, then, you know, I just, you know, as a kind of formal design practice, I went through the logical steps of, okay, what if the thing wasn't just a receipt? Okay. That means it would have to be on chain. If it was on chain, what can you put on chain? Well, you can put a really low res image, right? Uh, like a 16 K image or how oh, is it? What else can you put into 16 K? And, uh, the, maybe the best example is, you know, if people are familiar with karaoke, um, if you've ever been to like the reason that the, the orchestral sound is like, wah, 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 you know, like those are like MIDI files, which are a way of representing music digitally, which is, you know, not the full bandwidth of audio information that like we're recording right now with like waveforms and everything. It's just like, uh, you know, C sharp, B flat, yeah, you yeah. know, whatever the simplest kind of versions thing. of the pitches. Right. And it's, yeah. it's just it's notation. Right. And uh, in a digital file and then a, a, a separate MIDI synthesizer takes in that information and turns it into, um, you know, uh, the performance of that piece. So unsigs are basically kind of like sheet music. Right. Which generate on an image for you. But they're not uh, an image itself technically on chain. Right. And that's how I kind of figured it out and then you know uh that's that's the kind of i think the major part of it there's an art project above the te- technical implementation mm-hmm. and there's a kind of personal project beneath it at like different levels right but yeah uh, unsigs are basically uh exploration of color hosted on chain awesome yeah and when, when you say there's the art part you're you're referring to the image that the blockchain renders i assume right yeah yeah exactly um technically the blockchain isn't rendering it like you you render it yourself or you use the link that is provided on the blockchain to view it um no no on-chain project right now actually renders anything on-chain okay is that due to cardano's capabilities or it's just how the blockchain works at the time at the time um cardano didn't have smart contracts so Everything was just data, and data is kind of like an inert thing. It doesn't move. It doesn't whatever, right? And so, um, technically speaking, all of the the on-chain projects are just text on Cardano. Yeah. Right. And that text happens to be code. Yeah. 
Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And it's, you, it very much is very apt to the music uh, metaphor that yeah. you're making because uh, as I'm a I'm a trained conductor uh, of orchestras, and um, so one of the things my teacher always would say is. Um, like that the notes, you know, the notes can be anything, basically. The notes are just like the basic instructions of what mm-hmm. to do. What you do with them from there is like, you know, what makes the actual music itself. And, and so, you know, to, to, to be really corny, is like, where does Beethoven's Fifth Symphony reside, right? Uh-huh. Like, yeah, is, I, I, is that's, it, that's the question, yeah. Is it in the Philharmonic that's playing it? Probably not, right? Like, that's a rendition of that kind of, you know, music is a really nice one because it kind of like uh, gets to this platonic ideal like what is plato's cat or like the perfect circle right like yes what is the perfect performance of a music (laughs) piece right like if no it's it's indefinable in a way and and like it's it's definitely not tangible like in any sense that one can actually yeah yeah it's like you say where does it exist exactly in your head Mm -hmm. i mean i mean i i think in it's it's a conglomeration of everything i would assume Mm -hmm. is that it's Obviously, you wouldn't have it without the notes that Beethoven put down there. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't have it without somebody, you know, imagining an architect, uh, you know, sculpting it in their head mm-hmm. and so on. Then you wouldn't have it with the musicians who are actually making the sound. And you also wouldn't have it with the audience member listening to it. So it's on all those levels, it exists. It's it's kind of interesting because that's kind of how unsigs work in a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. One, I'm super happy. People are starting to be able to read the sheet music of unsigs. And just from the the properties, the, they're able to kind of visualize what kind of unsig that would look like, you know, like the different colors that come in and whatever. And so the same way I think a musician can look at sheet music and like hear it in their head. Yes. Right. Um, absolutely. Is that like when you refer to that, uh, e- Ebis is one of the. Uh, Ebis. Or what's what, his name? What, uh, like oh, he, Ibis or whatever. Ibis, one of Ibis. The, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, is he like one of the people you're kind of referring to who like kind of making his own unsigs, if you will, because oh, I assume oh. like he has an idea of what he's like, not not real unsigs, obviously, but taking that idea and running with it. Yeah, I think right now, most of the things that I've seen of these like uh, remixes or whatever, I think most of them are playing around in Photoshop or GIMP, like some kind of like, two. To, they're playing with the outputs of unsigs. Got it, got it. Um, but w- w- what I mean is just like, just like a connoisseur, like an audiophile, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, they can, lo- the, these people are just looking at the raw, code or the properties that that make an unsig and just by looking at that they can imagine the the actual unsig that wow. that wow. input produces do you know what i mean like Damn, because that's crazy yeah that that's yeah. like somebody being able to look at a score of music and yeah exactly never heard yeah. it and just be like oh it goes like this yeah yeah right and and to to kind of imagine in their mind's eye kind of like what is going on there right and wow. uh it's the, to, to run with the music thing i think one thing that's really interesting is that mm-hmm. Visual art has for so long kind of tangled with, um, you know, like abstraction versus like uh, objective representation of the world in front of it. Whereas music has kind of always been free of that, you know, like, of course, like some things evoke, you know, like uh, shelling of bombs and war or these kind of, you know, whatever kind of thing. But but the 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 the, the notes the, the the music the sounds are all kind of like their own universe separate from yeah you know what I, I mean I, I've heard it be referred to before as programmatic versus corporeal where corporeal mm. is very much um, like for itself like mm-hmm. like yeah. just to keep it's going intrinsic with Beethoven to five. itself it's exactly. not like a reference it, to something outside exactly. of it right exactly and and you can you can yeah. take whatever you want out of it and interpret it so on but 
you know, versus like, you know, just to keep going with the Beethoven thing, Beethoven six is uh, his pastoral symphony. He is clearly trying to evoke feelings of, you know, a river and, of, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, the yeah. grass uh, greenery the, the, and the, so on. What, what's the, the spring or, you know, sound, the, 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 the thing that caused riots or whatever? Is it Debussy oh, uh, or? Sacre du, uh, du Patent by, uh, the, by Stravinsky, the right of spring. Yeah, 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 the, the yes. right of spring, right? Like these, there's, there's ways that music can evoke something else, right? Oh, and, uh, and but evoked a lot, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I think that, that, that I, I, you know, it's recently uh, the NFT scene has gotten a little bit saucy, but I, I, I really love that idea of these, you know, powdered wig people you know getting so intensely like caught up in something oh yeah that that they're fighting over right like oh it's it's craziness it's it's very it Mm -hmm. is so apt to like the current nft scene uh at least on the cardano chain i'm sure other chains too but uh and the funny part too about that specific example with rice spring is uh that it was very much um like uh diagolev the owner of the ballet russe he paid people to sit there and he said cheer no matter what doesn't matter what's happening <laughs> cheer and like and so, that's part of it too that, that kind of made it happen that's the original like uh cnft rug pull right like you got bots in the discord <laughs> keep denying it keep denying it no matter what they're 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 liking all your shit no matter what right like how do you exactly. have so many followers on twitter like so it, it, what's funny is i i tend to think that uh Humans are like I, I like Greek tragedy and comedy and this kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. I don't really believe humans have improved that much or at all since <laughs> for, for for millennia or tens of thousands of years. And like we go through the same um, motions and the mm-hmm. same we have the same set of responses to a to slightly new sets of phenomena. Yes. Right. But the, the so the reaction to it is still like the same kind of love or fear or hate. Yeah. Right. Or all, or all through the lens of the current technology yeah. or society or whatever it may be. Yeah. No, it makes and, sense. Yeah. And people think that these things, you know, really change it, but it really doesn't. You know, like uh, what I like smartphones or technology or the glowing rectangles in, in front of us. Right. Like that's just like the medium has changed, but the 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 humanness or the response to it is is you know almost it's always the same. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I get yeah. I I totally hear where you're coming from, and I mostly agree with that. But mm-hmm. I guess just to challenge it a tiny bit, like because you know, obviously there's so much shit going on in the world. I mm-hmm. mean, <laughs> everybody like makes it very clear every mm-hmm. single day. But like also zooming out, like there are certain things that we're really lucky to be like you know born into the 21st century. Obviously, whether mm-hmm. it's to do with mm-hmm. like you know mortality rates or mm-hmm. pregnancy, yeah, or, like, yeah, yeah. God, God knows what. So like in that sense, do you think that's a result more of more of the technology or do you think that it's definitely just... a result of technology i mean i do like this who's this guy who's like the optimist you know who who uh-huh. says that like you know mortality infant mortality rates have never been lower mm-hmm. um you know all this stuff is better like even if you're um like a woke whatever activist like things are better now than they have ever been at any point in history. Yeah, you know, there, ever, there, yeah. There, there, there's a joke that uh, time travel is like a white man's privilege, right? Like <laughs> exactly, no, yeah, no one exactly. else wants to go back in time. <laughs> right? I could have said like, that, but it's so true. It's like nobody's right? touching that. They'll go to the future. Yeah, they yeah. back. <laughs> exactly, right? And yeah. so, so like no matter like how much you want to complain about things like and it, that's not to say we should be complacent and, and mm-hmm, happy mm-hmm. with the way things are absolutely but that is to say like 
you know, like shit, shit is as bad as shit is. Like this, it's not. It, it could, it could be a worse. lot worse. And <laughs> and now is better than than literally like any other time in the world, right? Yeah. Like um, exactly. So, but I get. But the question, of, the interesting thing behind that is like, is that because humanity hasn't evolved in any way, like quote morally, or is it just because more people have access to helping others, which is a new phenomenon as well? So one of my favorite um of uh, uh, books I, I don't know if, i forget if it's orwell or hemingway with this homage to catalonia homage uh it's uh, it's about barcelona and like the spanish civil war mm-hmm. i think it's i think it's orwell um okay and uh, uh, for whom the bell tolls or something else is hemingway right Sa- similar kind of thing but he's talking about like there's an anarchist commune in barcelona right and tipping is outlawed and like for me that was a weird like why, why is tipping a bad yeah. thing right but Random, then it's like yeah. oh yeah you shouldn't be subjected to the whims of the customer or whatever. But, anyways, the, 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 what what I kind of what I why I'm talking about that is, um, I kind of tend to believe uh, more nowadays, like more like this anarchist and communist kind of thing. That like maybe one of the problems with modern society is that people can affect people around them or far away from them due to the the scaling powers of technology without ever having to see that person's face. So, like, to make it really simple, if I have a gun and I want to shoot someone in the face because they've done something wrong to me or my family, Mm -hmm. and I'm I'm prepared to deal with the repercussions of that person's plan coming after me and mine, you know, like, I have to do a a moment of calculus in my head. Like, if I do this and I'm actually taking this action, you know, he'll probably die. But they're, like, I'm even in an anarchist society, you're bound to, like, the repercussions of your actions. Yes, the social right? contracts. Yeah. Right, exactly. And so I tend to think that why I'm talking about this right now in relation to your question is, like, mm-hmm. technology allows things to scale, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Like, we can, we can do things in a way that we haven't. Like, one guy can farm, like, half of Kansas now. Right, with his like <laughs> GPS tractor and like auto seated drones and, and everything yeah, like that. Yeah, totally. And game so changer. That, that that's an advantage that you could say that's an advantage in some ways that society doesn't have to put as much effort into producing calories for people to eat. Mm-hmm. Right? For sure, and, and, for sure. And most of modern society uh, or or this thing of society is like moving away from spending all day, all of our time mm-hmm. gathering calories to eat, right? In a hunter gatherer society like go get berries or go you know try to get a deer that's all we're doing today and that's all we're doing every day you know <laughs> to make for sure the rest, we survive yeah. right of 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 the year uh, for the rest of our lives and so, and what so it's people, like humans have more bandwidth now i guess exactly. in a way to, to to actually do other things whether good or bad in a way and and so you get like differentiation of of the, 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 what people often say is that you know agriculture was the first technology that allowed humans to specialize Mm-hmm, so because mm-hmm. you then got farmers who could, we could, one, we would stop moving around, we'd sit in one place, some people would farm, and then you get like a priest class and a warrior class, Yeah. right? Some people who defend us from other people, because now we have a surplus, right? There's a reason to attack <laughs> us, because it's not just us and our, our women and children, right? But we have yeah. some food that they might want. And then there's people who tell us, who kind of organize society, who are like the priest class, right? Who like tell us... What does God or the gods want us to do? And, you know, that, you know, don't eat shellfish because you'll die <laughs> kind of thing, right? God, um, yeah, thank God. I, I'm Jewish, and as soon as I got bar mitzvahed, my mom was like, <laughs> all right, like, you're obviously going to do what you're going to do. And then I had bacon. I was like, yeah, I'm not turning back. <laughs> yeah. 
I, yeah, I grew up in New York, Connecticut. So I, yeah, the so funny yeah. thing is, is I didn't know Jewish people were a minority until <laughs> I moved to Utah, right? And uh, this is a funny story. Uh, my my. Uh, my first day of school in Utah, I was standing in line at the lunch line, and, and the guy behind me, kind of bigger than me, was like, you have a quarter? And I was like, no. He's like, stop Jewing me. And I'm oh. like, what are you talking about? Because <laughs> like, like I said, like, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I got to my to friend's house, and like they were like <laughs> studying for their bar mitzvah with the, the, you know, the thing. Yamaka. And the uh, lear, learning Hebrew and dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. So I'm like, what are you talking about? Like I had never heard the word like, used in like, yeah. that context. And he's like... Give me a quarter. I'm like, I don't understand. Like, what does that have to do with doing? And he's like, and he's like, uh, I'm like, I'm like, you're gonna have to like explain this to me. I really don't understand what you're saying. He's like, you're not giving me a quarter, so you are doing me. And I'm like, huh. you, oh, you mean it's stingy? I, 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 I was so like privileged and oblivious. Like, I had never even like learned the stereotype that Jews were stingy kind of thing. Of course, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. not subscribing to that. But what no, I'm, no, of I don't, course, what, of course, of course. Like, it was just it. It, it was funny to me like looking back like how how th that was the first of many linguistic quirks that i i yeah. like soda being pop right and, and <laughs> yeah, like, yeah yeah out and out anti-semitic behavior was like totally okay right? <laughs> which is like the norm i guess around not not you know not to make this yeah. any political yeah. kind of thing <laughs> no no i i but really like it was it was a really like shocking thing to me because like yeah. i really think 40 to 60 percent of my school district in like Westchester County was Jewish, yeah. right? And there you go. Like yeah, totally yeah. Like... It's totally yeah. No, I I know what you mean. Growing up, uh, even in New Jersey, I grew up in New Jersey, like north, right outside of uh, the city, and it was like mm -hmm. same kind of deal. I had no yeah. idea, but I mean, I like I like it. I think you know, um, it's it's. I, I tend to think nowadays that not to, not to get into like a culture war kind of thing, but like for sure, for I, sure. I, I I really you know as a kind of Asian American kind of thing. And like all the kind of stuff about like quotas at Yale and Princeton and this kind of thing, I see like the Jewish story in America being a little bit similar to like the Asian American story, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, a little totally. bit right, like this like whole model minority thing or whatever that yeah. kind of tension that there is and like yeah, it's how like can in, you succeed and totally, you know. it's like in a way my 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 parents always like. Uh, perseverate too much about it all i feel like mm -hmm. like oh look yeah. how much shit we've been through in history all blah blah, yeah. blah. it's like okay okay but uh i guess we are kind of like the og like people no, sorry like, my, uh, i turned this off i had an alarm I oh no you're all for this. <laughs> <laughs> totally good um yeah uh oh yeah what time is it over there for you right now uh, just nine twenty. Uh, okay, so okay. AM. I don't but, feel as yeah. bad. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't have a job anymore, so that's really for me. Right? Like, solid deal. Solid deal. Um, so yeah, but, throughout history, everything. Yeah, yeah. We're we're always like kind of the OG persecutors or persecuted and so mm -hmm. on. So there's always that sort of camaraderie, I guess. Uh, I I I mean, I, I often it's interesting. I often talk about this because um, for me, I'm I'm kind of like a a modernist in a way, you know. Mm -hmm. Like, and I try to explain to people that modernism is not about today. It's like a art movement in like the early 1900s, from like maybe 1910ish to 1940, like into 45, really. Mm -hmm. um, and my understanding of of in literature and architecture and all these things like people were really impressed by technology back then right mm -hmm. and it kind of ties into our conversation like wow look at how much stuff we're able to do look at yeah. 
all this stuff that's happening. And in, in my other kind of talks about unsigs, I talk about architecture and glass, steel and concrete. You're like, mm -hmm. all these new yes. things are coming up. Yes. And, but, and how, I guess, just to fill people in who yeah. haven't heard it, like how um, the functionality of the materials you're using lends itself to what sort of creativity or what direction you go with in that. Yeah. And, and the, the, the clear, maybe one example of that is like, you can't um, push a rope. Right. Mm -hmm. This is just a mm -hmm. wire. Right. But like <laughs> yeah. a rope, you know, steel suspension bridges, you know, they 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 use a lot less material mm -hmm. than something like the Brooklyn Bridge. The Brooklyn Bridge is still a suspension bridge. But like just think about how thin, you know, how much work those um, the Golden Gate Bridge is doing by mm -hmm. having these two two kind of pillars, columns in uh, compression. And then okay. this entire thing is just draped off of these you know, like incredibly um, strong steel cables because, yeah. you know, and, and those cables cannot take a compressive load at all. If you try to push them, like Damn. they'll just buckle, right? But That's the, crazy to think about. Cars, <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, it's like spaghetti. You're making a, a, a bridge out of spaghetti, basically, right? Like wow. a, a cooked spaghetti, right? That doesn't, yeah. or spider yeah. silk. So, so, and the, so in that sense yeah. too, if you, if you just like mess up one little part of that, the whole physics aspect is kapooey. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but 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 so so we talk about bricks, we talk about steel, all this stuff, and so so the the idea is that you know think about the material properties of what you're doing and exploit it like yeah. in 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 a good way, not in a you know master slave kind of way kind of thing, but like use use the thing well so that you don't need to use so much material, so that you can kind of um and it, you kind of try to make these things sing, yes. right? Like if you imagine like well th th there's a very uh. A uh, silly architecture quote of, uh, I think it's Lou Kahn, what does the brick want to be? Like, if you were to anthropomorphize this brick and imagine, like, you know, this is a little baby brick and it like wants the to grow up. spot for it, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, and, and, and how does it want to sit in relation to the other bricks? And what is it? Traditionally, the answer to that question, if you look at, at a Lou Kahn building, uh, one of the famous examples is this Exeter School uh, in the, the, the East Coast, Upper East Coast very elite private thing but mm -hmm. he's got this kind of like it's like a it's only like an eight story or so building and there's these kind of um brick things running up the facade mm -hmm. and uh actually do you mind if if i yeah. share a screen pic of yeah, it yeah please go ahead i enabled so you could okay um let me share my screen i'm just going to look for it it'll it'll be a little bit easier than just talking about it it's a little bit hard to see in this photo, but if we're looking at this building, okay? Okay. Um, and this is a, uh, it's kind of unique, you know, it's like what, a one, two, three, four, five-story building made out of, with a brick facade, right? Mm -hmm. If you look at these columns, at the base of the, 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 they're not really columns, but at the facade, they're very, very wide. It's almost like a one-to-one -one ratio with the opening, right? There's this, um, you know, like almost like a doorway or a path. Right here. Which parts? Which parts wide? The the space there or the the um, bricks the, the between? Sp the, the the space between the bricks, yes. right? Okay. This, yeah, this, yeah, yeah. This, the, what appears in shadow in the in the picture, right? Yes. And as you as you move up the floors, eventually you get to this position up here where the opening is, you know, maybe three to four times the width of the brick. Okay. Yeah. You you don't really notice it. It's not no, a jarring not kind of thing, right? <laughs> not at but, all. Yeah. This is kind of the the best example I have to like. What does the brick want to be? The brick is a is a masonry unit that is load bearing, okay. right? Like it has to carry the weight of not just itself but the thing above it. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. this is kind of Lou Kahn's response to with a brick building, things at the bottom should be wider than things mm -hmm. at the top. 
Mm. Because if if you had this, you know, the same width all the way up, the thing at the top doesn't have to carry the weight of the thing above it. Yeah, it's not and, being used to its full extent. Right, and, and that means the bottom would have to be even thicker because the bottom mm. would have to support even more weight of all the extra bricks above it, right? And so this is, you know, like, it sounds like a silly question, what does the brick want to be? But this is, a, this is probably the best example I have of, you know, how to, what does that mean and how do you express materiality and what, th that there are very serious, um, you know, aesthetic but also economic realities that result from careful consideration of material, materiality. Um, if that so, makes sense. so it's about it's about using the the materials in the most efficient matter. It seems like, right? Yeah, and and it, but it, I mean, it's about efficiency, but it's also I, I don't usually when we talk about efficiency, it's kind of about like value engineering, like how do you shave you know a, a few percent off the cost of a project? But I think in this case, um, it's it's not just about if like if that kind of economic efficiency, but also like spatial efficiency, right? Like, what does that afford you? Look at these these windows are so much you know larger at the top because he understands the material he's working with and that allows more light into the building and it allows a very different, you know, kind of feel. So, um, totally. it's, it's, yeah, like it, it, it is efficiency, but it's, it's not just economic efficiency, right? Yes. It's, I guess um, it's, it's efficiency used for, for the purposes of letting the materials be as, uh, as performant, right? As as they can, right? Like, yeah, um, yeah. I guess it, it'd be like I I I I really do not have as much uh, acoustic or, or musical knowledge as I'm portraying right now, but like trying to get <laughs> like a, a, a soprano to sing outside their range, right? Like you uh -huh. could do that, right? <laughs> like I guess you could give them like, but like that's not probably what you want to do, right? Like you want to utilize them. Uh, in, in the range that they're they're comfortable with, right? No, one hundred percent, one hundred percent, and and so. I guess then to like inversely look at that point too, like people will use a soprano singing a really low note to like musically say like, oh, this person is really weak. So so conversely, people will kind of use that <laughs> yeah. in the opposite sense too. Um, I mean, a, a, cool. as a as a photographer, when I when I the first kind of creative thing I studied was every rule that you learn, you know, like rule of thirds or or some kind of composition thing, like is you know, as you master it, you should break it, you should play with it, right, and you should not just accept it, and um, and that. that that's kind of related a bit to, to unsigs in a bit. Like this whole, the reason the project is called unsigned algorithms is this, this weird thing with unsigned integers. But one of the first things you learn in programming is like, make sure that the, the variable that you're using can contain the numbers that you're trying to process. So all these kind of black lines and rollovers are the result of numbers not fitting in the range that they're designed to. And mm -hmm. so they kind of start counting over again. Um, and for me, that was kind of like a very artistic flourish or like a little signature, right? Like totally. um, to someone who gets the code and who can read the code, like it's like, oh, wow, like he's actually doing something you're not supposed to do, but he can do it and control it so well that he's able to take a deficiency and turn it into something aesthetically pleasing, right? It's I, I always use like he's painting with the back of the brush, right, to to move paint around or, or uh, he's plucking the the uh, the strings inside the piano directly yes, right exactly <laughs> to, piano. So, exactly something exactly. like that right yeah no um, it's super cool and I, I that's one of the things that making that correlation between like the be, the ending and beginning of like the new pattern or like a similar pattern or so on within the unsig itself and and then understanding that you only have integers of what 1 through 15 is it 
uh, in the example, it goes to, uh, from zero to two fifty five in the real space, uh, uh, oh, but damn. just okay. because that's a larger number, right? <laughs> if you ever use like Photoshop or or even like probably. Um, PowerPoint to choose a, a number. Sometimes uh-huh. you see these red, green, and blue from zero to two fifty-five, and uh, that, that's okay. the. But that's for the, the for the slide, I, I do zero to fifteen so that it's easier, right? <laughs> to to yeah. just to understand and fit it onto the 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 slide kind of thing. For I didn't sure. want to put that many numbers up, right? I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> so. I, I appreciate. I'm sure many other appreci- people appreciate that too. I'm so uh, dude. Just give uh, me like literally one minute. I just need okay. to upgrade this stupid account. I thought you could do longer than forty. Um, no, no worries. No worries. Thanks, man. I just have to put my credit card in here because I thought you could do longer than forty-minute things with the free version. But <laughs> so, so Zoom, Zoom is getting your money from from they this are, part, man. Okay, right there now. you go. I okay. appreciate not charging the ADA. I can just give it to Zoom instead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm I'm happy. So so spo- the, the rest of your series uh, sponsored by Alex and not taking the fee so that we could have a professional Zoom exactly. membership. Exactly. So we could upgrade our account. Yeah. That's awesome. Exactly. Thanks, uh, so, so if, if if is it okay? I I think what we we're talking about a little bit was like Jewish people in the arc of history a little yes. bit. Yes, I'll just yes. talk to myself about that while you while you pay for the the Zoom account if that's okay. Please, yeah, um, absolutely, absolutely. So there was this, I, I don't know. There's a painter, um, Paul Klee, I think, um, who 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 I like quite a lot. I uh, um, and like a- after World War II and the Holocaust and everything, like this whole idea that humans progress down this like path of history where we're just always getting better and improving ourselves whatever was just kind of like thrown into disarray like if that's true how come we could do this to ourselves and even if it is true like if humans with all their technology use that you know to do um there it goes i got the meeting yeah you saw it (laughs) um if the best thing we can do with all our technical technological mastery is like efficiently massacre other human beings like who like that is that's not something we should be proud of and that should like throw into question this confidence we have in ourselves that like tomorrow will be better than today and it kind of goes back to this idea like maybe uh that we started the conversation with that uh now is better than any other point in history that had been true for most of history. But you have to think, like, waking up to the news that, like, the Holocaust had happened. You know, like, whoa, like, maybe 10 <laughs> years ago was better or 20 years, like, before yeah. all this stuff started to go sideways. Like, yeah, like, like it could that make would, you, like, distrust the uh, the technology yeah. in a way, basically. Technology or, or even humanity, right? Like, if, seriously, if you, if you can, even if, like, uh, as, a, as a non-Jewish person, like, as just someone who cares about their neighbors, right? Like, if humans can do that, and then you, you hear all the stuff about, like, you know, the U.S. not letting people in and, and you know, quote, this kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. if you, like, if we weren't doing everything we could to prevent this from happening, uh, then, like how can we be so proud of us as a species? Yeah, right? 100%. And so it really threw into doubt, like, uh, there was all this kind of stuff, like, painting or music or writing after the Holocaust. Like, it doesn't, like, does it even make sense to pursue artistic creation in like in a world where such things are possible right totally and, um, and maybe i mean you saying that yeah. makes me think about how there are so many different at least again in the music world like all these process oriented kind of takes on music as a result i mean there's i it's hard not to mention uh strauss's metamorphosis which he wrote for like 23 mm-hmm. individual string players which literally kind of and and that was like taking tonality and just kind of not going like atonal with it but mm-hmm. very much um 
messing with like functional tonality and mm. in, in, in a way that kind of represented like there is no going back after world war ii there's just yeah yeah things there, have it's, changed. It's, it's a very big break in 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 all kind of creative disciplines right um and totally. and 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 so, so, so my, my kind of answer, this, is a, this could be a very horrible one. I, I'm more <laughs> familiar a little bit with uh, Japanese literature. Um, uh, I took a lot of, of lit courses in, in undergrad, and I read a lot of uh, stuff. Um, but mm -hmm. the, my, it's kind of like a Bond villain answer. Um, but like, <laughs> I kind of believe in like my, the response, my answer to that is like extreme events in history are actually, I wouldn't say good, but I'm okay with them in a way because they produce really exquisite pieces of art at yeah. the end of it. So um, in, in the Japanese case, right, uh, I, I in no means kind of want to portray Japan as a victim of World War II, right? Uh, but um, there are these very beautiful things, like um, things from the civilian perspective, right? Mm -hmm. And especially mm -hmm. one of the courses I took was like women in Japanese literature. Okay. These like, uh, you know, the women who had really like not a lot to do with like perpetuating the war and mm -hmm. and this like little eight-year-old girl who was in like Hiroshima as the bomb, you know, kind of fell and just like walking along a river and, you know, seeing like the shadows of people burned into chairs around them and then like people yeah. at the river with like their skin melting off and fall like they had survived the initial blast but like the the radiation stuff was doing stuff and then um you know like 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 people without skin asking for a glass of water right yeah. to like an 8-year-old girl like they, like you know uh, put me out of my misery kind of like th these uh these kind of things like they're it's like uh you it, of course it's like an incredible experience and it's very weird to talk about it um it, it, you know kind of thing but it's like what when you re when you read that kind of that retelling and you kind of understand like the the extremeness of like human uh emotions and what people can go through and and how they can respond to trial there is something kind of exquisitely beautiful about that there right is. and no, absolutely and the kind of soldiering on and everything right like uh yeah Absolutely. All, all of the horrible things aside from it absolutely like it's yeah. you know, no i i i get like what you're speaking to it seems to be that this I don't want to think of it in such a monetary way, but almost like supply shock in a way. Like yeah. when things get to such a degree where there's just something, something's got to go, something's got to give. And then it's whether it's in such a sad or happy or awful, whatever sort of way, uh, like nightmarish in this case, mm -hmm. it still does offer these like extreme images and extreme feelings it's, it's of like what humanity is yeah. capable of. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's nothing to do with Holocaust or, or it is actually related to World War II, but um, mm -hmm. I often think the Japanese people as a nation have something in them, which I, I mean, my dad's Japanese, but I wasn't raised yeah. here. Uh, if you look at like the events before World War II and after World War II, I often say that like Japanese people do well in a crisis. Mm. Right. Like uh, in, there was like, I think the great Kanto earthquake of 1906, which like totally leveled Tokyo. It, like it struck yeah. right as people were, were um, cooking lunches. Right. Everyone had their stoves on. So the thing with with earthquakes in Japan is is one, there's the earthquake. Two, there's a tsunami. And three, there's fires that occur after. Good God. You know, so if you have if you have if you have the gas lines open because everyone's cooking lunch. Right. And then you have all these wood and paper houses and now there's gas just spewing out oh of it. Right. Like yeah, it's just yeah. like a, a, an inferno kind of thing. And so but Tokyo was totally rebuilt after that. And then if you look at like post World War Two, the reconstruction, you know, Sony, all these kind of like Japanese like economy story kind of yeah. thing. Like um, I often say that 
I mean, Japan has kind of fallen, totally fallen off now. It's just like in shambles. Um, but I often think like the one hope for Japan, and I guess that was kind of COVID and they didn't really rise to the occasion, was to have like some kind of crisis or emergency that would like shock people out of their complacency. And, and do something, and, yeah. and you know, you, you were talking about economic supply shocks. I'm like, but like, uh, so what I'm saying is like, there's some there's some high quality raw materials in the Japanese population, but we <laughs> get complacent and fat and kind of like used to it. But if you if you kind of starve us and shock us, then uh, then and we can something. kind of do something with it. But um, yeah, yeah I, I, I'm asleep at the wheel. For sure, for sure. Uh, when your example of the 1906 earthquake mm. was that like an example of how like the Tokyo rebuild like in a better yeah, way? Exactly. After that, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, one, it's a, it, you could it's maybe similar a bit to the Chicago fire, right? Mm-hmm. In a way, mm-hmm. right? Um, people or 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 you know uh, even forest fires in California. Like I do think that death and destruction is a natural part of of you know rebirth and life. And uh, I get very freaked out by the tech bros trying to like make immortal human beings. You know, like I don't yeah. think that's a good thing. I think. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's somewhat inevitable, of course, mm-hmm. but. But yeah, I mean that could go in a but, lot of but, directions. But even yeah, I mean I think I think you lose a lot to like the beauty of life, right? If if sure. if it if it just goes on and on and on forever, and it also you know it strangles out. Um, I think part of the I, I would see it as like being incredibly stagnating for society. You you look at the whole millennial boomer dynamic right now, right? One of the main tensions in society is that you have this class, the older class of people, with all this stuff. And then can you imagine all of us kind of like if boomers didn't die, like <laughs> how bad the society would be in like 20, 30 years? Like, oh, dude, yeah. You, you know, <laughs> you just have these kind of like oligarchs sitting at the top of society, like mowing yeah. people down beneath them. Yeah. You know, they'd be having kids and grandkids and great, 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 great grandkids. And they would they, they, they'd, they'd be killing their own, you know, progeny. Because to maintain their position at the top of society, like it would be a horrible, gross thing to happen. Like that's that's the definitely. you know definitely um, yeah yeah no it's definitely a necessary cycle of life aspect of things. Although I guess when you get into the metaverse aspect, then you're dealing with like a whole new space as mm-hmm. well uh, and how all po- that post scarcity right like exactly if, if, exactly if we're gonna, exactly yeah, yeah. so it, who who a... knows about all that? But something I want to touch uh, go mm-hmm. back to is um, you said you you grew up in the U.S. or uh, mm-hmm. Japan? You yeah, said. yeah, a New York, Connecticut, and then uh, yes, <laughs> high York, school yeah, in yeah. Utah, and then um, and then and then I came over here for undergrad. I went back to the states for grad school. Um, I worked there for a bit in R and D, and then I, I I moved to India for three years in Mumbai, where I'm my wife. And um, I was doing like new product development, R&D stuff again, and I got more and more into programming. And then about two years ago, I moved to Japan. Um, to uh, There was just air quality issues in India. I really liked yeah. India, but um, I have a, a few young kids and it, it felt like I was trading my job satisfaction and happiness for their lifespan and like at future asthma. And I'm so, sure like, they appreciate you a lot for yeah. it when they get older. They, they, yeah, when they get older, maybe now <laughs> they're like, now. we miss our friends. Blah, blah, blah. You know, like, <laughs> it's like, why did you do this to us? We had a very easy life in India with, uh, we had, a, when I think about it, it's just the way you do things there. We had a, I had a maid, mm-hmm. I had a cook, I had a yeah. nanny, 
I had someone who would clean the toilets because the maid didn't want to clean the toilets because that was too low caste for her. Okay, and I'm like, okay. I used to clean my toilet. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, is that too I, low for me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had a driver, and like there, there was like wow. a baseball team of people, right? Um, and and uh, it it was very weird. But I mean, as, as an aside, I told them, you know. Uh, I, I I got us all together in like a team huddle. I'm like, look, I I don't think I'm better than you. I was lucky to be born into place, right, and have this education. But um, I think you know, let we're we're all making a go of it. Let's all try to do our best, and uh, you know, um, try to, you know, I, I paid them a lot more than a than what than was the normal, normal rate was, and eventually I I just couldn't deal with all the humans. Um, yeah, so as, like as things. Yeah, as things started to get more and more complicated, and there's all this like drama. What I don't realize, like people often say, like uh, it's it's a kind of anachronism, but it, it, mm-hmm. the the a housewife's job in India is to manage the help, because like there's all this like these these maids fighting with each other, and you know yeah. everyone backstabbing each other kind of thing. And it's almost a I, I, you often wonder like would it be easier just to to do all this stuff myself rather than like you <laughs> know Deal like with the drama. Uh, yeah exactly. There, I think uh, I think is Dostoevsky has a quote about like if you want to write it's probably the wrong Russian author, but uh, just buy five cats and watch them. You know like interact with each other and then turn those and anthropomorphize them turn them into humans and then you know like dude i relate with that uh, so much i have have three cats god knows like how i got there but uh and like i i relate with that so much right like like, i'm always like they did it because of that it's like no you're just a human being putting your prefrontal cortex like into them like and and so so all that kind of stuff and so event event i don't know what the the takeaway here is but eventually like people left or they they did stuff i had to fire them i I was left with one and and it was kind of like survivor like i I just kept giving her the salaries of the people that left, right? I'm like, now <laughs> yeah. that's your job. Now that's your job. Now, and, yeah. and I, I started driving myself in India, which was really fun. Oh, and dude, exciting. I can, I've heard stories about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but um, yeah, it, what I kind of learned was that like quality over quantity, and so mm-hmm. it, it wasn't my intention to like weed people out or like Squid Game this shit, right? But like, <laughs> Squid Game. Um, Did you but, just really, really quick tangent? On tangent yeah. Did you hear about that Squid Game NFT rug? Yeah. Pull? <laughs> the, the, or the coin or the whatever, right? Yeah, like yeah, it's XRP so crypto. I so mean, crypto. Um, <laughs> sorry, go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. no, no, no. I, yeah, it's funny. Um, <laughs> and, and, but what I kind of learned is like quality over quantity, and just like as a kind of introvert, like to manage that many human relations, it was easier to just have find one person yeah. who dealt dealt with everything, mm-hmm. right, and pay her and compensate her fairly for it, and she was like. If anything, I feel bad when we left. Like she's never, she will never get another job that pays her as much as that, right? Because yeah. she had like five or six people's salaries in her thing. But she, she was like capable. She was smart. She was caring. She was like, she was kind of like a family member. We still keep in touch with her now. Damn, um, that's awesome! Wow. But yeah, uh, she, such a such a different situation than uh, other countries. It seems like. Um, what one thing that strikes me with all this is, um, you've lived in obviously a lot of places. Uh, and and you've seen like so many different cultures, all that. So what um, I I can imagine why you were you know just talking to you and hearing all like interviews with you and everything. I can imagine why you're drawn to Cardano. But like how how did like living in different parts of the world for like fair amount of time and really getting to know those places? How did that affect like your decision and you're just delving into the blockchain space? 
Yeah, so so I think I've been very lucky. You know, as a kid, I mostly ping pong back and forth between the USA and Japan. And my parents would always tell me, like, you don't realize how lucky you are to have this experience. And but because, like, I, I often joke, like, I didn't really understand how big the world was because to me there were like two subway stops. There's like New York and Tokyo, <laughs> right? And you just like get and off at like. You get on a plane and like you play your Game Boy or whatever at the time because there was no in-screen and flight entertainment. And then like, you know, 14 hours later, you'd get off and you'd be in Tokyo. Right. And <laughs> yeah. I, I prefer traveling by train nowadays or, or even car because uh, just to like see the amount of distance between these places. And it's, it's easier to kind of like comprehend it. Right. Yeah, like when you sure. when you when you traverse it on the ground on the surface. Right. And uh, it's, it's like that same concept you were saying of how it's easier to like you know, hate somebody when you don't see their face across yeah, the world. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. that same, like, disconnection with the yeah. technology I, you, that, that it brings. Thank you for, for, for uh, to, to close out that thought because I didn't finish it, right? Like, you, you, you arrived at the right conclusion, but I don't think <laughs> I literally said it, right? The point is, like, it is a lot harder to... Like the, the the danger of these technologies scaling and the bail, ability to push a button and to wipe out a city on the other side of the world yeah. is that like humans are not designed to comprehend that kind of scale of no. conflict or or you know cause and effect right like we're essentially orangutans you know or chimpanzees kind of sitting around and like he took my my woman or my <laughs> apple or my banana and like beat him with a stick right yeah, yeah but now the does. stick is like. Uh, a megaton, you know, uh, what do you call hydrogen bomb, right? Yeah, that can like yeah. Just level, destroy like, the world, yeah. Destroy the world and, and destroy the area for the next 50, 60 years, whatever, right? Uh, so, not not okay. to that, mention so, start like mutually assured destruction. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> so, so the, 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 yeah, so. So thank you for arriving at the logical conclusion, which I didn't state, which was that, you know, uh, humans, we make it back eventually. humans should be nice to each other. It's, it's a lot easier to be nice to each other when you get to know someone. For right? sure. And, for and sure. When you, hey, kitty cat. Um, Say hi. Good old Clem. Hey. What character are you? Are you the... <laughs> God, she's like the lovely, sweet one who like, uh -huh. you know... Nobody gets taken advantage to. of it. Exactly. And, 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 yeah, okay. exactly. and then Very Kilowa good. is the one who, like, just, like, destroys. Destroys. Uh, Shiva exactly. takes out. Exactly. His role is to destruct so that new creation can, can occur. Exactly. Right? exactly. Maternal and paternal drives. Okay. Uh, so so what, what were we talking about? I lost my train of thought there. Sure, sure. So, um... Oh, oh, you're talking about humans and Cardano and experience and all this kind of stuff? Yes, yeah, yes. yes. And living around so, the world, kind of what that brings mm -hmm. you to, Cardano and so on. I mean, I, I like the whole Cardano uh, uh, mission or ethos um, of, you know, like do, thinking. I, I think that the point is is, is I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit, you know, uh, hesitant with like the kind of like uh, techno-colonialism, like we'll go in and we'll fix things in other places. Like that, that causes me hesitation. But I think the I intent you. is good and the um, more more importantly from like a design perspective, it's it's thinking of your user base as like the entire world. That is important, right? Like, uh, and 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 not just designing for, you know, um, you know, the upper five percent of crypto bros in the U.S. or Europe, right? Kind of thing. Like, yeah. what can this oh, like do for Solana? us? No, I'm just yeah, kidding. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I totally feel that. I guess uh, so. When you compare it that way, like to something like like let's say like Ethereum or Bitcoin, mm -hmm. like. What, well, well what, yeah, I, I was in Bitcoin in 2012, 2013. I had, you know, like 14 or 15 GPUs that were mining Litecoin and trading over to Bitcoin nice. instantly. Um, 
And I think at the the peak, I had something like twenty five Bitcoin or something like that with my friend that we were mining together. Um, I had free electricity and graduate family student housing. Dude, like perfect. you know, I paid my rent and, and I had I had really thick extension cords running from like the basement, the main floor, and the up. It was this townhouse arrangement, right? Yeah. All yeah. running to one room of the house <laughs> in Michigan winters with the window open with a box fan blowing in uh, to to like passively cool like five thousand watts of mining oh, GPUs. Wow. But That's... what <laughs> what happened was is like um, these things called FPGAs, which are like reprogram- reprogrammable hardware, and ASICs, which are like programs written in silicon, which are just much more power efficient than GPUs even, okay. uh, were coming online. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, that's going to cause centralization. Because if you control the supply of those things, mm-hmm. or you, and, and those things, let's say, um, to put in context, those things are so much more efficient at mining Bitcoin that uh, like it doesn't make sense to do it with it just a GPU. And what got me into Bitcoin back then was the idea that you had a decentralized network that everyone with like a gaming computer can kind of mine on and <laughs> do, yeah. you know do this, and you can't shut it down, and you can't um, you can't control it, blah blah blah. And just so, to make sure yeah. I follow you with that, mm-hmm. part of the reason why that decentralized was because. Um, if you had one of those, like the other uh, piece of technology, the, the, the SPGA or the ASIC, SPGA. yeah. If you had that, then you, the computing power was just so fast that you had no chance of mining a block or anything like that? Yeah, or? yeah. If, so me with a little GPU, I, like there's no way I could I, I could continue to mine. my, my compu- the, the way um, the, these proof-of-work chains work is like whatever percent of the hash rate or the power of the network you have, that's basically your chance of minting a block. Because okay. the difficulty scales up, right? Like they, they increase the difficulty if there's more power. And so if somebody turns on like a, a mega nuclear, you know, mining, blah, 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 that's so much more powerful. And they're now like 99% of the network. They're going to get all the blocks. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And these things were like orders of magnitude more efficient than GPUs were. So I could, if it cost me 10 cents a kilowatt hour to, you know, um, for the electricity I'm paying for, mm-hmm. and I can have this amount of hash rate. If someone else can get like ten times or you know fifty times the hash rate with the same um, for the same amount of money, they're just going to be able to scale up so much larger and, and do so much more. And so I basically sense. I sold off my mining equipment uh, or my my GPUs and everything for like fifty percent more than what I had paid for them because nice. like there was a, a bubble there, right? Uh, and in Michigan. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was on on uh, hard OCP, some like tech guru gaming website thing, right? <laughs> and then, this was this was back in 2013, so it was like the first time GPUs were unavailable. And then, um, gotcha. And then I, I focused on my R and D career and uh, working in design and, and going all around. And I kind of, it's very funny. Like, I, I always kind of regretted, not regretted. I I have some kind of tech abilities to, you know, I learned programming and I was doing all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. I worked a lot in like IoT sensors, like embedding, like making buildings smarter. And, and, you know, um, I always say like buildings are kind of like uh, Helen Keller or imagine Helen Keller, like how hard it is to teach someone if they can't see, they can't hear you know, like, like, and that kind of breakthrough moment where it's like water kind of thing, right? Like, um, totally, totally. And so, buildings, when you talk about like smart buildings nowadays, like, there's like maybe like a motion sensor in a room that turns the lights on and off, but like they're very kind of starved for information, right? The example I always give is like, I was in my lab, uh, in architecture school, uh, and in mm-hmm. grad school, in my doing my master of science, and like, 
at 2 a.m., the lights would always go off in the, the lab, and there'd be like three or four of us working because we're stupid architecture people, right? <laughs> and like, if any of us cared to turn the lights back on, we had to like stand up from our desk, walk over to the spot underneath the, the PIR, yeah. the motion sensor, jump way, so that like it would detect much. us, right? <laughs> and, and like, and nobody cared because we were all just focused on what we were doing, right? But sure. like, that that's the example I give for this kind of like dumb building that doesn't have enough input. And so, all these kind of experiences, living around the world, seeing all this different kind of stuff, um, mm-hmm. you see different things. Uh, one of the things that was quite interesting to me um, in India is the, the, the reality of multi-generational families. Uh, like people live together with their grandparents themselves and their kids. And mm-hmm. so there's a whole class of problems that don't occur in like atomic nuclear families, right? Like privacy, you know, mm-hmm. like couples will go on walks to have fights with each other. Damn. So that like, very you know, very like, different like meaning usually than yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, right here, or, yeah. or intimacy right like oh yeah, like yeah. The, the 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 whatever kind of thing. Uh, but the 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 interesting thing about that was like um, you you locks are a big thing in India that like I never interacted with outs even on my front door. I don't usually lock my house right. Yeah, like it's just not something that I would do because like I, I didn't care about it so much uh, growing up. But um, in India, locks inside the house are such a big thing because one, like in America, if someone's in your house, you kind of trust them. Yeah. Right. But in India, like one, you have your family member, like your dodgy brother or uncle who's like an alcoholic who's always like, you know, taking your shit and like going to, <laughs> to you know, buy alcohol or whatever yeah. kind of thing. That happens. Yeah, yeah. You have a maid who's in the house. You have all these like semi trusted agents. And so it's like hugely inconvenient. Like even your fridge can have a lock on it or by default has a lock on it, right? Damn. And like all these drawers have locks on them. And for me, it was just like a hassle. Like how do you manage all these keys, Yeah. right? It kind of related to crypto, right? Like <laughs> yeah, you have all these wallets yeah, and seed phrases. Way too and, many wallets, yeah. Got right, it. all this stuff. And so, so that was an interesting thing that like actually helped innovate over there because like, it was like, oh, like biometrics for us are a very like... Uh, nice to have thing but like yeah. imagine in, in an upper class indian household like if if it's like instead of having to pull out a key every time if you just had a thumbprint on the handle right or on your front on your door right because even your bedroom will have a lock on it even mm-hmm. like the cabinets inside your bedroom will have locks on it mm-hmm. right? like rather than having to, to manage and pull out keys all the time if you had this so kind much of easier thing in the handle like it's just it that allows them to live like i did which was to not have to worry about access and keys but still preserve privacy and access for sure um, for sure having more sensors having the ability to actuate and do things with the data um it gets into a little bit of big brother stuff but it, you know uh, you can say like at the at the personal level it's good you could say that you know uh my maid is allowed into my room between nine and five when or if my wife is home kind of thing right or if yeah, my totally, son totally. is home kind of thing right like there are conditions that parameters. can come into place yeah that's cool that's um, cool which i guess could all be potentially run by smart contracts in a house or exactly something. so 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 to get into the cardano thing then um back then i was i was trying to learn haskell for the first time and i kept how i got into cardano eventually was i was on the haskell subreddit just and i i, I saw it come up a few times and what was really interesting to me was um one <clears throat> was written in Haskell, which mm-hmm. I think is like a, a superior uh, programming language to to most other programming languages out there. And two, uh, proof of stake. Uh, because back in 2012, 2013, when I was doing Bitcoin, proof of stake was like being talked about. Mm-hmm. And 
it was always assumed like this would be a very easy thing to add in and to switch over to. Okay. But for, it, for Bitcoin or for... For Ethereum, for Bitcoin, for all okay, these things. Okay. Like we were talking, oh, like, yeah, mining is very power inefficient, but, yeah, you yeah. know, proof of stake. Like well, I, back I, then... I, <laughs> go yeah, ahead. I, I know that just has started... I bring up the with the Bitcoin, oh my God, because mm-hmm. I know there was like a whole war about that basically, right? Yeah. Like where I mean, people just wouldn't do it. <laughs> but back in the day, like when we were, like it was on BitcoinTalk.org, like yeah. people, when Bitcoin... Nowadays, Bitcoin is kind of ossified into this kind of like... We don't change. We we're like we're kind of purposefully low tech for the sake of compatibility and longevity or whatever. But back then, Bitcoin was a new thing, and people were arguing about like how we should take Bitcoin, right? Mm-hmm. And should we migrate mm-hmm. it? Should we do this stuff? And it hadn't yet ossified into this thing, and yeah. so gotcha. people yeah, such, in such a bit, different world, yeah. such a different world, right? Yeah, even in the and and, and you know, colored coins were a thing. These were like the ideas of like rep, using like. Um, almost like an NFT, like this specific coin could be, or point zero zero, like Satoshi could okay. be associated with something else or point to something mm-hmm. else, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Um, gotcha, and, gotcha. And so that was there. And so we're going with this. The, the idea was that uh, proof of stake, uh, I, I had come across that uh, and I was always surprised, like, why don't we have proof of stake yet? Yeah. And so you know, I didn't come across Cardano until I think it was like a COVID 2020, like January, February. You know, I had a lot of time. I was sitting at home mm-hmm. <laughs> and I had more time to learn Haskell and I kept seeing Cardano pop up. And then I was That's like, That's really is interesting. This? So, yeah. so it was, it was, co- it was the pandemic that. Gave yeah. you the time or whatever it was to. to yeah. see. that's that's really interesting. Definitely, like like uh, you know, we I was I was working as a AI ML engineer, kind of developing these forecasting models and face recognition models for stupid, you know, mobile apps company kind of things. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was really brainless, stupid things. But <laughs> the um, the the you know because of even in Japan, we kind of shifted over to remote work, right? And Japan mm-hmm. is like a famously like nine to five or nine to 10, right? Like yeah. <laughs> working all day kind of thing. For sure. um, but as a, as a remote or as an engineer, I could kind of shift over to remote life. And, uh, you yeah. know, if I could get my job done, you know, and then just work on my own things during. The, Absolutely. The, the, I'm sure nobody possible. experienced that through the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's like so 10 hours, the, just two. <laughs> it's yeah. But yeah, exactly. Right. So like my 40 hour a week job i could probably get it done in like three to four hours it's kind of like office space <laughs> right and then exactly, like yeah. i could still like be better than all my peers and so right? like yeah, yeah. knock it out do it and then like yeah it's still working on that trying it's to like, I'm putting oh, the finishing so touches on it yeah you know pretend then, that it's not too much or that's not too yeah. little for you <laughs> it's so amazing how like no how little work actually occurs in a modern economy right like it's it's ridiculous it's, it's almost it's like how atoms are like 99 percent nothing space yeah no, yeah, yeah, it's the, like the whole same, universe, you know, universe, is, is yeah. uh, what, one of the, my favorite things about this universe is the the like the fractal repetition across scales, right? Okay. So like you have like empty empty space, uh, and then every now and then you have a galaxy, and within a galaxy it's mostly empty space, and then you have a solar system. And within a solar system, it's like there's a star at the center of it, and then mostly empty space, and then like a planet, right? Like, yeah, it's yeah. just like all, all all the way down, right? Like it's it's, it's just like completely the soul, the meta. Yeah, definitely. I get which is golden ratio, all that, all that yeah. good stuff. I guess. Golden, yeah. There you go. You know, you know, you know. Making only, me happy. I, <laughs> it's funny because that's like uh, I, I obviously you guys use it all the time, which I didn't think about so much. Mm. But in uh, classical music, you know, like. You can analyze Bach's music on that. Yeah. You can analyze like Bartok built certain mm-hmm. pieces around the golden ratio, all that yeah. stuff. 
chords and progressions and harmonies like these these are things that that i you know uh i think actually geometric harmony stuff like that right like it, it, it uses a lot of the same language as as uh music and i actually think that you know um i think it's goethe like architecture is frozen music is wow. a is a that's saying cool. right like oh, uh, this awesome. Uh, you know, like if you were to to take all the movement and life and beauty out of music, <laughs> you'd be yeah. left right. But 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 there is something that should like resonate in architecture, right? It's almost like it vibrates, right? You can feel some kind of motion in in a in a really well designed space that is totally static, right? Yeah, um, yeah, it's amazing. No, definitely because of the proportions, I guess, and the yeah, the spaces yeah, and, all and, that, yeah. And I think I think even I I think what happens in design sometimes and and music, right? Like. Um, before people were really aware of, of all of this, um, like the math or I think they were on some level aware of the mathematics behind it, but Mm -hmm. like you, you build up like some kind of knowledge or experience and then you kind of intuit and synthesize, you, you take in all this information and then you synthesize it and you come up with a response that has those mathematical properties, even if you're not totally aware of them. Totally. Right. Because like that is what sounds aesthetically, you know, pleasing or, or whatever. Right. And you've you, sure. but you, ra- rather than arriving at it mathematically, you've done it through like hearing 10,000 variations of, of, you know, keys and chords and this kind of thing. Uh, and, yeah. And, yeah. And progressions of uh, sequences of notes one after another. And then you've figured out, oh, this is this is kind of a thing. And. Definitely. I the think, best I composers think, yeah. ever with that, I'm sure it's similar with architecture too. Mm-hmm. It's like they didn't, like people analyzing it will be like, wow, that's so cool how you did like the inverse of that, like this progression over here. And they're like, oh, I had no clue that I was in there. And it's it's because of this process, this phenomenon you're talking about, I think, where it's you like so ingrained. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And your brain is just like, well, this is the way it should be put together. And it's this like nice balance between creativity and the technicality of it. It's it's really funny if you talk about AI and ML stuff, like you the way you train these things is you just feed them a bunch of data and then they uh-huh. kind of figure out like the you know, the neural path, the connections across the network and this kind of thing. And that's kind of what humans do, right? Like yeah. we listen to a lot of music. And then, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> or we look at a lot of paintings, and then we paint a lot, and then we kind of like connect these pathways. And and then if you examine them for what are the properties that they exhibit, you can find these things, which are basically, you know, it makes sense on a way. Like at the end of the day, like your brain is a is is a bunch of electrical signals and all this kind of stuff that you know are representing you know, mathematical kind of ratios and all this kind of stuff. So, of, of course, it kind of results in this kind of thing. Yeah, it's like That's inevitable awesome. in a way. Yeah. Super cool. I just, uh, so before pivoting to a couple of things, I just want to go back to mm-hmm. the Bitcoin because I find it super – because I like, you know, social media presence. I just think of you as a Cardano dude. So just yeah. like knowing that you were into Bitcoin back in the day is just cool. And especially for people like me, I've only been in the space since like January. Yeah. Um, so like such a newbie compared to like you, you guys have like seen the evolution of the space in so many ways that I can't imagine. So that is just super interesting. So, so one of the things that I, I really surprises me as it relates to NFTs and Cardano and, and the stuff is like people I think could use a little bit of more fundamental schooling in what a blockchain is. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that I've been trying to get out there recently is like almost everything on a blockchain has two components to it. There's, there's a, content mm-hmm. or a message or a payload all of these are interchangeable terms for another and there's a signature mm-hmm. right so like you have a wallet and i have a wallet and i can like send um 
I can put a piece of payload or content on the chain that says like, send ADA from me to you, right? That's the, the message or the content. And then I sign that Alex with my, you know, private keys, right? I can also put a, try to put a message on the network, send ADA from Alan to Alex, signed by Alex. And that's, that's a meaningless message. And the message, uh, the network will regret, uh, reject that because mm -hmm. my private keys don't match your thing. In the context of NFTs, um, the, it's the same thing, except this, this rejection thing is not built in at the, at the level of making an NFT. There was this project that came up um, a, a little bit early in the uh, Cardano NFT scene called Cardano Mirrors. Okay. I'm not sure. Are you familiar with this? No, I'm not at all. I'm curious. So, so it's, it was funny. I got a bunch of heat for it. They, they, what they <laughs> did was kind of interesting, I thought. I, I, kind of interesting, mildly interesting. <laughs> they, they, they ripped off other people's projects. Okay. But I, I don't think they really ripped them off. They said, we are minting these, like, if there's a space bud you like or an unsig you like or whatever, we'll mint it for you. For two ADA or five ADA or you know some minimal amount, maybe it was ten ADA even, under our policy ID. Okay, so and, it's not so, the actual thing. Yeah, so so the, the, the why I thought that was an interesting exercise. One, you know, uh, it's playing a little bit with the nature of an NFT, mm -hmm. right? That the content is the same, but the signature is a different one. Yeah. And so, from my perspective, that's not even a mm. copy, because like the the the. The thing is the composite of the message and the signature. And if one of those things is not the same, then you're not talking about the same thing. For sure. And, it, yeah. and there's no, like, as long as everyone understands the basics of, of, of blockchains, mm. like, you can't even be mad at them because, like, they're <laughs> not copying. You know, if they hacked into my computer and they, you know, then came to my physical space and, and figured out my address and then found my physical keys and then stole my key <laughs> and then minted unsigs using my keys. Yeah. That would be a, a, a legit copy that like people wouldn't be able to. But you, you like people, you cannot copy an NFT that. Yeah. And if you could, yeah. you then NFTs are all worthless, right? So to <laughs> totally. me, it was an it was an important distinction to make that these things aren't they're not an affront to everyone. They're not like people were like you know like dragging them on Twitter, right? Like, how oh, dare you do this? Blah 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 blah. Yeah, I mean, but like that's a bit of like a noob response, I thought, right? Because like what what it really uh, kind of exposes that you don't really understand what crypto yeah. is like if right? you're offended by this yeah. then you don't get what an nft is basically yeah and so so and, and you know it was kind of like a teaching moment um for for everyone yeah i understood of course the people who were dragging them they you know they were ostensibly concerned about other people being duped by it for sure but for, sure. for me it's like like you should probably just use like that to teach other people about again what i'm saying payload versus signature and then the composite of these two things together because uh, the other thing i think it points to is this you know um like a post-scarcity reality i don't think nfts are about scarcity right like you can call it like right click save as boy or whatever bro <laughs> right like or or you know my 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 mom's panicked call to me when after she saw that like honey anyone can download your unsigns on your <laughs> website like, you oh, got to no. <laughs> like you don't get it like that. <laughs> like to me like part of the the the, the beauty of of nfts is this whole like uh, 
uh, you know, like anyone can see them and unpart and, and view the art without owning it. And it can't be put away in some like dodgy collector's basement or, you know, yeah. uh, climate controlled, you know, what do you call it? Free port where no one will ever see the, the work again. You know, that like, is a beautiful be part of that. that. Yeah. Cause how many right? pieces of beautiful art and all different yeah. mediums have been lost because of that. Are hold away and, and just used as, as financial instruments for avoiding taxes because they, you know, represent some kind of like uh, value kind of thing. So absolutely. Uh, that, absolutely that, that's yeah. to me the beauty of NFTs. And I think that, you know, if, if unsigs were basically about exploring the nature of the medium, Right. Mm -hmm. That's what I, I often say in those little, that other presentation I give is like the goal of the project was to start a conversation about what is the like nature of this medium and the potential. I think more than almost any other project I've seen, that stupid mirror project <laughs> kind of went to the heart of what an NFT is. Yeah. Right? Like, like it shined the light there where people. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it's, says, too, it's like what it is. Totally, totally. Uh, sorry to interrupt there. Um, no, no, no. You need to interrupt me. If you have a conversation with me, you need to, like, so please get, <laughs> grow your balls and, and interrupt me more. <laughs> I appreciate sorry. you saying that. Yeah. Um, one thing that uh, you said in, I believe it was the Cardano Source interview, you said, mm -hmm. um, or probably multiple places, mm -hmm. uh, art is, let's see, that, no, let me just get it so I don't mess it up. The tension of the medium. So oh, yeah. Really... So tension with the medium, right? Like, yeah, what in, I mean a, by that. No, go ahead. Well, well, in a way, this mirror project kind of like amplifies that, or or like illustrates yeah. that how how that's that's one extreme of what you can do with the yeah. medium of NFTs, and still like maybe it's like a cover or something. Yeah, like that. exactly. Like you put into a exactly. Cover song or something. Right, like like one. It, I I I didn't. I don't. I had a tweet. Uh, it was a draft that I never tweeted out. It's like. This is basically like, you know, like a tribute to Green Day album, right? On, on, on Alexa or, or Google Home. When like, like, ah, oh, fuck, just give me the real, you know, what is this shit? Totally. But, yeah, and so, yeah, like, I'm not saying it's like high grade art or whatever, but I did yeah. think more so than like another random animal with another adjective like thrown on the front of it. Like, it was explicitly about and poking at, hey, what are these fucking NF things called NFTs, right? <laughs> and totally. so I thought it was a more useful conversation to have than, than you know, like, you know, when moon or pump my bags or, you know, yeah. all, all this no, other 100%. stuff. And so, I, yeah, I, it's funny. Like, I, I, <laughs> people often ask me, like, what NFTs do I like? And like to be honest, I don't like most NFTs, right? You, I, th I, th I think people I th I saw can you easily tell stuff. that from <laughs> from your yeah yeah dude. I was I was like, I got a few of them I want to read out actually because like some of it's hilarious and yeah yeah. But but I mean uh, so, so, so yeah like um, I I I I view. I'm not saying everyone should have my taste. I don't think that right. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. But I'm not here for 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 the memes or the you know I like the memes so the memes are great but I'm not <laughs> I'm not here for like um, how do you say the, these like these collectible projects um, like I I I collected baseball cards and and coins and stamps and and that stuff was cool or whatever and and some people like do it forever but like I don't yeah. think that something. This is the other part of it. I've I've also this one. Things that are designed to be collectible almost never are. Because mm. it's things that like why do people like to collect things and they have value? Like they evoke something from like the past or your childhood and mm -hmm. people didn't take care of them, so they're scarce. So like the value goes up. 
But like, yeah. you know, buying things that are like collectible memorabilia, like on, you know, like uh, TV, the cable channel, like the gold coins, right? Look at the American yeah. Eagle, right? Kind of thing. Like, those, <laughs> those are just scams and they're just... And, and it's like the people buying them, like you don't want to be part of that group of people buying yeah, them. Yeah, like they're, it's just, they're it's pretty like, cringy. Like, yeah, yeah. And, and like just like uh, the kind who are like, like here, the, do this and then you hypnotize The grandma down yes, the street with all like the porcelain dolls on the shelves, yeah. right? And like those creepy <laughs> things. Like that's kind of what like NFT culture is nowadays. Kind of, yeah, yeah, no, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, that's it's very clear your perspectives from your Twitter feed, which I, I yeah. love, and I'm sure a lot of other people do too. Um, how many times you said that you drafted it, but you didn't send it? How many tweets a day do you think you draft, but you're like, nah, I shouldn't, I shouldn't put this out there? Ah, uh, no, no. So <laughs> the I I, I have like a draft folder. I have a draft folder, right? <laughs> and sometimes I I work on them for like a day or two to like try to uh, to come up with like a better. I, I never used Twitter until till Unsigs, right? Um, mm-hmm. And and I had a I, I still have a Cardano stake pool called Monad, um, and I was more of a Reddit person, right? Like I told you, I was on the Haskell subreddit, trying to like, and I, I like this long form kind of kind of thing. And and mm-hmm. Lex Friedman four hour podcast, yeah. And was Twitter there. was just like. You know, that's for fucking losers who just like, you know, or, or thoughts over there, thirsty people trying to like whatever and and people trying to cancel other people. But over yeah, time, yeah. I, I think I, I deleted my Facebook account maybe four or five years ago. I don't I'm not participating in social media, really. But mm-hmm. I, I've got a, a, a Twitter bug hard right now. And like it, there's something very nice about, uh, you know, what is it like soul? Brevity is the wit of soul, or soul is the yeah something like that. Right? Yeah, yeah. Having this conciseness yeah. and uh, and and getting your your point across in a in a easily digestible. I think it's kind of like I kind of think of myself as like a thinking man or thinking person kind of thing. Originally, I thought like Reddit with its like longer form thing was like the place mm-hmm. for that, but mm-hmm. I actually think like there's just a lot of like really boring drivel on reddit that just takes too For long sure. to get to you gotta and like, then get through a, all that stuff yeah yeah and it's kind of like an echo chamber you know like you find a new subreddit it's quite fun and like and then like you see like oh like maybe it's like weekly or monthly loop the same stuff keeps coming up over yeah. and over and over and yeah, twitter totally. just feels a little bit more fresh of course twitter's very repetitive and same for stuff sure, as well. for sure. Um, but but I know what you mean by the the brevity aspect. It does make you. It's like each word does count. You know, just go back to the supply and demand exactly. aspect so, a bit more. I mean, I used to want to be a, a writer uh, and write novels, right? And I always thought the difference between poetry and literature was that, like, in poetry, it's like a, a very kind of like it's like whiskey versus I don't know beer. Like it's the mm-hmm. distilled, concentrated. Like every like the word and the punctuation marks have to be perfect or it doesn't like resonate right and so like totally. even though they both use letters and words and sentences and grammar to like construct their kind of like prose mm-hmm. you know there was something very heightened about poetry I, I never got into poetry I don't really have a, a ear or my like I can appreciate a few mm-hmm. passages or whatever but I I didn't I I respected it and I understood kind of understood it but it didn't like speak to me really and mm-hmm, I, I was mm-hmm. more interested in literature, but I could understand that, like, oh, this, 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 you know, everything has to be being in its place perfectly was kind of, I couldn't take that pressure, right? Like, oh, God. like it's like, no. No way. <laughs> yeah. It's like how I feel similar to, uh, I know exactly what you mean in terms of the, like, like the, the pressure for each thing is just so much more at stake almost. And so yeah. it's the same with like to make like a really in, amazing like pop song or something, you know, or like, I don't know, shorter, like, like just a song, like a rock song, even whatever yeah. versus like a symphony. Don't get me wrong. Like 
symphonies are incredible, but like y- you could do a lot of shit in there. You have a lot of notes, you have a lot of options, but like to get one of like the Beatles, in my opinion, I I, I put the Beatles next to Beethoven, basically. Yeah, yeah, I think they were both just as influential in their own ways. Um, but um, it's just there's in like three a different minutes, kind of right? magic how do you to get, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and how do you make somebody mm-hmm. feel that way in three minutes and like rem- and like impact their life in three minutes mm-hmm. versus like an hour Mahler symphony, which mm-hmm. is incredible, yeah. you know. But but yeah, it, so it's, different. It's interesting. Uh, in in the in the next collection I'm working on, I've kind of um, written off color because like like any oh, wow. you know um, any any kind of one who puts something out there. I think like I don't want to be typecast as like the color gradient guy, right? Mm, uh, yeah, yeah. And and so like the easiest way to do that is to just say to have something that looks very visually different, right? And and totally. to like totally uh, preempt that kind of oh yeah, he plays the color, he makes gradient, so <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> that, yeah. Yeah, like, uh, and and so uh, but just speaking to you now, I feel like I should bring like tonality in or or some kind of uh, audio phenomenon because. Like it's it's hard, man. I'm I'm just yeah. making these shapes and these geometries <laughs> in like white clay, right? Like in, in like yeah. 3D uh, uh, modeling kind of thing, and like it's hard to get like that kind of like emotional resonance that Unsig's had, right? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Uh, without having color in there, right? Because it's just like it it just triggers so many associations and other kind of things that these these white things are very um yeah definitely so maybe no, some, I, some sound. I, I, yeah, yes, but it, I love though that you know putting that restraint around yourself to like, because that it's with those restraints then that all of a sudden some other creative like oh my god let's go this way like how many times has that happened with artists and so on like where mo- mo- yeah mo- most lay people don't understand like I think like what is it like you watch like something like Project Runway or one of these like design show right like constraints are hugely beneficial to a designer. Totally. Uh, or a composer or, or whatever, right? Because what it says is like, oh, I don't have to consider that, yeah. right? Like, and and yeah. making something <laughs> is very complicated, right? And so if yes. you remove a whole set of things from like the, the white canvas in front of you, then it's like, oh, the it, it's kind of like a chess game or like Go, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the, the, the Alpha Go and all this kind of stuff, right? Like chess is an easier game to master than Go because there's less moves to make. Right. And so like if you take off like a bunch of pieces, there's only so many moves that are left to make. And so if you rem- if, if you add constraints in and you say, I can't use the color blue. Oh, OK. Like that reorients everything or I can't use all colors. Right. Like it just says like, OK, th- well, then what is this about? I guess this is about form. I guess this is about mm-hmm. light and texture. Um, yeah, yeah. Where's the color. value come from yeah. in in the art in that sense? Yeah, it's it's interesting. I actually I taught myself uh, photography. I started with a black and white photography, uh, mm-hmm. and it was kind of a crutch, I think, because and or it allowed you to when you learn uh, photography with black and white photography, you focus on composition and subject and and you know tonality of of, of from black to white, right, gray uh, exposure, and you don't like. In some ways, it's convenient because you don't have to worry about like a bad color combination ruining your shot. Yeah, right. Yeah, I would see it being hugely beneficial in the beginning, understanding mm-hmm. more because yeah, it's just one whole thing you don't have to worry about. Yeah, to to mess with. And so, yeah. what? I used to be a vegetarian for six years, um, 
And then uh, I ran out of money in Thailand, and the place I was staying had a free barbecue chicken night. So that was it. I, 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 had a, I fell off the wagon, and I was like, I'm not doing this. I, I'm, it's going to take me six years to get back to where I was. Yeah. And so, I mean, I still don't eat a lot of meat. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not like my brother who's like, if there's no meat on the plate, he's like, where's the food? <laughs> right? Like, uh, That's so funny. Um, yeah. um, but I, the same way... Um, I, I like I'm okay with eating meat now. I, I choose to like when I when I do photographs now. I mean now it's all color, but because um, mm-hmm. I don't like this digital black and white filter thing nonsense. But um, <laughs> when I was shooting film, even I, I started to include color occasionally. I I because uh, I could change the back of my camera and, and swap between different films uh, without completing a roll. So I would I would I would think like looking at every shot as I was composing it like does this shot call for color or does it call for black and white? Mm-hmm. And I actually felt that made me a better black and white photographer because it me- meant that a black and white photo was a choice, not a pre-arrived conclusion. Yes. Like you get what yeah, I'm saying, like right? This has, yeah, like it's yeah. not part of the structure. It's We, we can take it in or out <laughs> as gonna, we want. Uh, I don't know why I'm thinking about this right now. One of my favorite internet things is a sexy saxophone man. Are you familiar with this guy? I wish I was. He, he, oh, he goes oh, around. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. And he goes to like malls and American food courts and serenades them and whatever, I guess. Um, imagine, <laughs> imagine like you only compose for saxophone, right? And George Michaels, right? Like, like of course, a saxophone is a beautiful instrument. <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing as I say this, but like, if that's like the entire gamut of your like acoustic renditions, it's a little bit. It's going to be rough. Right? It's going to be really yeah. rough. Yeah. And so that that or you're going to yeah. get all the gigs for this one thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, se- se- uh, sexy saxograms. Um, yeah, but, exactly. But, right, but but how. Having uh, artistic uh, expressions be choices rather than like limiting yourself to one area. One of my architecture professors who also was into photography said it, you know, uh, it was kind of interesting. Um, she said like, when you, if you start to create something and you already know what it's going to be, then it's time to change mediums. Mm, I love that. And That's awesome. And uh, like, and she she was talking about, you know, she also shot a Hasselblad, this like six by six centimeter thing, and, and photography stuff. We were having good conversations, and and yeah. you know, I love I love photography, but in some ways, it had started to become kind of limiting, right? Like, yeah, yeah. it needed to like kind of grow beyond it, and and um, not not saying that people can't explore photography as as a career and as a as a like an artistic expression for for a of longer course. time, but like maybe my my abilities as a photographer started to be limited like i i knew what i was going to do like i knew that kind of thing and so sometimes switching mediums helps you kind of like uh, reinvigorate and cross pollinate and get more creative in the original thing that you left right because yeah yeah it it forces you to i feel like it forces you um that that reminds me of this uh international contemporary ensemble um that they literally had this this like series where if it worked, like once it started getting audience members, they stopped it. <laughs> Boom. They were, Shut yeah, it they're down. like, that, that's right, so cool. that's so punk. <laughs> it, it is, it is. And it, but it, it very much speaks to your point with um what your architecture teacher said in terms of like if I mean, obviously it's to the max, you know, it's turning yeah. the knob up like crazy with it, but it forced them to come up with so many different ideas of how to make a concert. Like, cause mm-hmm. they couldn't, they couldn't just keep going with what worked and, and God knows how many people like actually do that. I mean, most people just will, will drive something into the ground, an idea that works. I, I was watching the, uh, the queen, uh, movie with the, the, the guy with the big eyes and the big teeth, um, 
big eyes. He's in the, the, the robot. Uh, f- plays Freddie Mercury uh, in the Queen movie oh, as well. Okay, it, okay. It, does, it doesn't matter. But uh, Shit, have, have you seen I'm it? I'm so curious. Oh, no, I'm so uh, curious. Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, I've seen Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so oh, that's like, what you're I, talking about? Yeah, yeah. So oh, of, of course, <laughs> when the um, I we we all know the "We Will Rock You" song. If you've been to a, a New Jersey Devils game, Dude, right? <laughs> like, uh, if you're gonna talk about that scene, I know exactly what scene you're talking about. I, I would like want to throw something at the TV. Uh huh. Go go is, for it. You you is it, the, the scene that you're talking about? Where is the "We Will Rock You" and Brian May is like figuring out what it is? Yeah, yeah. Like, like, like what are you how, gonna say? Like, about that well, for, 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 for i don't know if it's accurate or not. I, i'm just yeah, going yeah. from my hollywood rendition but like <laughs> i thought it was so cool that like to me what they did in that uh, if, if that's how queen came up with it and what they were doing like they're using the rock concert as a medium okay right yeah yeah and mm-hmm. they're kind mm-hmm. of figuring out like um there's all this energy there's all this thing but how do how do we give them an instrument to perform with us that is cool i do i do right? yeah and so like oh they had their hands and then the bleachers right and so like let's like uh when we all hear it like because i i i heard it as a recording you know before i ever went to uh uh and i guess the reason why that song is played at every sporting event you know one (laughs) is it's a kind of rambunctious anthem that you know builds pumped but the two is like it's one of the only songs that involves the audience in the performing of it yeah, that is right, very like, cool. Yeah, definitely. The definitely. part of it that we all hear on the recording is that. Like, that wasn't designed to be recorded and done like that. That was designed to be performed by the vast majority of the people who were listening to the piece. And yes. so there's something very, like, breaking the fifth wall, you know, of, of, like, I'm over here and you're over there. That was, like, really amazing to me. And I thought very kind of, again, like, I like things that fuck with their medium. Right. And so that was like, imagine like the, the, uh, the guy in, in a classical symphony. There is, there is this one piece. What, like, uh, was it Philip Glass or like the mm-hmm. 453? What's, what's the number? It's just silent. Dude. Uh, okay. So I was, you're, you're beating me <laughs> to ahead. it. I was going to bring this up later. But yeah, John Cage 433. Yeah, I, I definitely yeah. want to talk to you about that for sure. But continue, continue. So, so you, I, I mean, I'm done. I'm spent. So, uh, I mean, like, <laughs> well, the, the, the well, audience yeah. is performing there. And, and you were going to say something about the queen scene you wanted to throw at the TV. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I love, I'm happy you're giving me a perspective on it like that to appreciate because that's that's so true. And chances are, and I have no idea, somebody should fact check uh-huh. me on this, but like, I chances are it, it did not get written that way. To me, it, uh-huh. it felt like a very <laughs> contrived okay. version, like, oh, like, we're just, it's like hindsight is 2020, let's just fill in the pieces here, guys, uh-huh. like kind of thing. Yeah. And I was just like, I, oh, that's like, that's so unrealistic. I, 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 hope, I hope it's <laughs> the way that it was portrayed because I, I love that idea. And I, I yeah. think that, you know, my understanding of Queen, you know, like the physicist guy and, and the mm-hmm. dentist, like kind of mm-hmm. odd misfits. Like I, can't, those are my people, right? Like, and, I, I, and I like that. that. One of the you greatest know, bands um, ever, one hundred percent. Right, and and just I, again, I, I, like Bohemian Rhapsody too, right? Like, and the record exec, like, you want to do what? You yeah, know, it's, yeah. it needs to be four <laughs> minutes or whatever, right? Like, you can't do that. Like, yeah, I yeah. like people that that don't take things for granted and are willing to experiment and play. And, and, you know, um, push, I think, I think the same way that the mirrors project, right? Like mm-hmm. queen in a way kind of pushed the boundaries of what a pop album, a pop song could be. 
Yes. Right? And and yes. that, oh, those, did, yeah. Yeah. People who do that, that's not to say every pop song afterwards should be eight minutes long or whatever, right? You know? But it, uh, but it but, makes them think the option, though. It makes yeah. them, because after Queen, Bohemian mm-hmm. Rhapsody, people said, oh, should we make, you know, an eight? Yeah. Like, that question wasn't asked before. before exactly. You know? and, it, and, and it helps to define the space, even, even if the answer is no. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, pushing out against the boundaries of what the thing is. Um, especially if you're able, it, it's very difficult, you know, rules exist for a reason, like, you know, mm-hmm. compositional rule, rule of thirds or whatever in photography is easiest one to think about. Right. But, but, um, and it's, it, what I mean by that is, is it's hard to break them successfully. Yes. Absolutely. Right. Because like they, they, again, they exist for a reason, like they, they make sense to do. And so it, yeah. it would be very tiring, you know, and I'm not surprised that after Queen pushed those boundaries, not all pop songs are eight to 13 minutes long. Right. Like it, it's probably a good it, thing. It, it doesn't make, make sense. But but it is yeah. very, you know, uh, it's it is great what they did. And it is also, you know, uh, the world is a richer place for it. Absolutely. No, 100%. Um, you brought up John Cage's 433, because I definitely want to ask you about this, because um, let's see if I can find my quotes here. Uh, there's something that, well, first, all right, well, just also for people who haven't heard you on, do you mind if I like say some of your tweets? No, 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 no please, please, please do. <laughs> cool. It's great. Um, this one, I connected with this one. People talking about NFTs as concert wristband slash proof of taste. If you had slash have a Coco Loco NFT in your wallet, it's like having a Nickelback bracelet on for the rest of your life. <laughs> I don't. I, I I think people are going to be straight up embarrassed. Like, imagine everyone knew all the trash you listened to in middle and high school. Yeah. Oh God. Like, I'm so happy they don't. <laughs> this wallet that you have that has NFTs in it, even if you send the NFT out, I'm gonna hunt you down. I'm gonna like out you. <laughs> Right, like you, you will <laughs> be will it, it. It will be able to be known that you yeah. owned this thing, right? Um, <laughs> and and uh, it's it, to to make a, a real point about that. Um, people often yeah. ask this question, like, what if someone deletes the zero 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 unsig or whatever, right? Mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. or like, so it doesn't which, really which for, matter for uh, anybody who's yeah. not uh, familiar. Mm-hmm. The zero 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 unsig is like the like unsig prime, like the original, yeah. like the unsig that allows all unsigs to exist, if you will. Yeah, it, okay it has the code it? in it, right? But if you think about it, this is like an abstraction exercise. The NFT in someone's wallet of the zero 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 is distinct and separate from the data that is on chain when it was minted, right? So okay. the the NFT that in this person's wallet indicates that that person owns that thing, mm-hmm. right? But I can never scrub the data that is in the zero 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 from the the chain, like even even if I went so far as to get the zero zero back and to burn it, even if I burned it, what the unsigs are all pointing to is the minting transaction of the data. Mm-hmm. Uh, or the data of the minting transaction where the zero 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 was created, and no one can delete that at this point, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, so cool. That that's kind of where my whole like my angry bad week, where I'm like talking shit on NFTs right now, is <laughs> is like a blockchain of all the things you could like scribble graffiti on or like write, you know, like a call number number for a good time, you know, yeah, like in yeah, the bathroom yeah. stall, like yeah. Of course, humans have an urge since like before Rome to like do graffiti and to like write shit on the walls and to, you know, like uh, 
uh, uh, give their ex ex boyfriend like. girlfriend's number for, as a prostitute in a bathroom stall, right? I they wonder the first a, rendition. I wonder the first time anybody did that in history. That would, that would be a wonderful yeah, thing like, to know. Go to this address for a, a quick year, whatever. Kind it's of like thing. your mom is there. Or yeah, but like, I think that like it needs to be treated with more respect. Mm -hmm. Right. And it goes to that Nickelback thing. Right. Like yeah. a, a blockchain is inherently preserved for like all time and eternity. Of course, re in reality, it's not like, you know, as, as technology is mature and BitRot occurs. Like, but, but I think a chain like Cardano, which mm -hmm. is proof of stake, which is so well designed, is likely to perpetuate for at least decades. Right. Um, and my, my hypothesis is, is that, like, if something can perpetuate for decades or even, like, a century or two, it makes it easier to be found millennia from now, right? Like, it's going to be hard to find a Sum 41 album, you know, like... <laughs> Bringing me back. A hundred years from now, right? Like, yeah. even now, right? It's not <laughs> that far outside, away, yeah. right? <laughs> right? Definitely. Um, but if you, if you talk about, like... Um, uh, uh, what's what's the, the, the premier British punk band... Uh, the Sex Pistols. Um, yeah, yeah, right. Like something like that. Like that. That. That mm -hmm. probably you could probably still be able to find that. You know, totally. like a hundred years from now. That was like very much right? historic. Like, yeah. I, I don't know if it would it would last millennia or whatever, but like I do believe yeah. you know as like a like time is the ultimate editor or curator, right? And that that things that that persist and are significant last longer in time, and like resist this kind of tendency of entropy to dissolve. And that to me is really kind of the function of art is like it's like a distillation of the zeitgeist of the kind of the moment which it was in to crystallize something and represent something and then to kind of transcend the era in which it was produced and to resonate with people in the future and so it's a little bit of a like time travel there right and for for people to look at that and to recognize oh that's worth preserving because the natural order of things is for like you and I to turn into worm food, right? And and to 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 you know uh, to death and rebirth, all this and stuff. Enter we back into about, the cycle, so on. Right. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. But but for something to be preserved is very unnatural. It's like the yeah. most unnatural thing, right? If you think about like what what's the the thing like uh, the song remains the same, or like the the more things change, the more things stay the same. Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. like change is the only constant in the reality and so to we are the most kind of like violent re like a uh, rebellious act we can do in the universe is to make something stick around totally. and i think that things that stick around should be worth sticking around <laughs> and i don't think that you know um these kind of low effort cash grabs and and i i just don't think art is what I get triggered a bit. It doesn't really bother me, but by people calling everything art, like no, yes, everything is yes. not art. You know, yes. well, and, you, and you I, say you, know. you say in the other in Kardonsky, you said um, how art is not subjective in your opinion in that sense. Um, yeah, and which which I want to dissect a bunch because, mm -hmm. in one sense, I completely hear you. Like absolutely, there there are certain and like you said, like it's a testament to the fact that if a piece of art can withstand entropy, then you know, there's there's something objective about that mm -hmm. at the very least. Mm -hmm. um, but on the other side of things, too, as you know, like human beings, like we there is nothing that is, quote, objective in some sense to us as well. And that is one of the beauties of 
art and how people quote interpret them and so on. And because even with that mm-hmm. statement, you're you're by itself interpreting, you know, art or you're you're. So you're, so I I I, yeah. I always say that on a sub on an individual level, yes, yes. art is subjective. Okay. Mm-hmm, what you mm-hmm. like and what you dislike. But I almost say, you know, in a very snobby way, like what what you like and dislike says more about you than about the piece. Oh, you know, course. absolutely, like, absolutely. Uh, like you don't like them? Are you serious? Like, okay, I guess like the, I guess I don't need to talk to you much longer, right? Like, you not not to be like a elitist like indie music snob. Like I heard about <laughs> them before you did, you know? Like oh, I, yeah. God, I liked yeah. them before they were they were big kind of thing. But um, for sure. But you get what I'm saying, right? Like it, I do, yeah. On, on, yeah, yeah. Nowadays, like if if when when people tell me they don't like or they don't get unsigs, I'm like I'm not really surprised. Like I've had some people tell me in private, like they view unsigs kind of like an IQ test. Like you know, <laughs> that's like cool. you know, if you get it, like if you don't get it, like it, it's kind of like that's not to say that you're stupid or whatever, but like it takes some work to get to, you know, of course there's something that resonates at a superficial level on a high level that people can, that, that people can interact with. But, um, I'm like the, the to be honest that the quality of people who like come at me and are like, don't like unsigs is like, yeah, when I look at your other tweets, I'm like, okay, I don't really, <laughs> it's like, your opinion does not you. matter at all. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, totally. I, I wouldn't go so far to say it doesn't matter. Like it's a valid opinion. It's your opinion. Yeah, yeah. I just think it's wrong. So, and, <laughs> and I don't really care because you know, it, who are you again? Um, not, yeah, not, yeah. I'm not saying that like, cause I have a small audience cause I have a very small audience, but it's like, it's just like, it's what you, you know, none of us matter. Right. Like, like in a Carl Sagan, like the pale blue dot, like when you zoom out, like all the kings, all the emperors, all the great artists, like we're just on this tiny little speck of like blue marble spinning through space on a star that's going to blow up, you know, in, in, you know, a couple hundred million years, which is a fraction of whatever of the life of the universe. Like it doesn't fucking matter. And and, and so, so, so that, that's one thing, but, um, in spite of that, you know, like, I do think that what individual people like and dislike, you know, like I said, like poetry doesn't really resonate with me, mm-hmm. you know, like, um, I do think that says more about me than about uh, poetry or great poets, right? Um, For sure. Uh, that kind of thing. Um, but there is this kind of idea that in the whole, in the aggregate, I believe that any truly great work of art doesn't ask for respect, but it demands it. Oh, thank you. Yes. I just got a coffee. Ooh, uh, nice. well, well, let me... Let, can, yeah, can you, please, take your time, take your time. I woke up early for this, and I, I didn't... Uh, I was out of coffee beans, so uh, we had to wait uh, for the no. stores to open. So, uh, so I'm going to caffeinate myself. A, love, a loving wife right there. Thank you. Yeah, uh, oh, I, I, usually, I make or? I make her coffee every day. Um, okay, okay. What? So she owes you. Is that oat milk or regular milk? Or? Oh no, the, 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 <laughs> I'm not a vegan. <laughs> um, it's a, it's um it's it's just an espresso with with a with some kind of milk in it. But uh, where, where were it? Universe respect uh, demands um, respect. Yes. Right. Yes. Like. Again, like uh, some uncultured idiot walking in front of like a Michelangelo or something, like they don't have to respect it, right? Like that's not what I'm yeah. saying. But like mm-hmm. anyone who's been like somewhat decently educated, or, or you know, or or even I wouldn't say educated, like curious, 
curiosity more so than than knowledge right like wanting to understand things is more important than the knowledge you know i try to teach my kids and even like adults around me the difference between intelligence and knowledge Mm -hmm. right like i know a lot of very intelligent manual laborers in india who don't have educations who don't have you know the privilege of of going through stuff that that probably could have been you know achieved much higher potentials if they had been you know had more education and resources invested in them for sure um but definitely the, the, the that's why i say like curiosity is is probably like the most important thing right like if you if you have this kind of desire to know more and to to figure things out i think if even if you know nothing you look at a great work of art you it'll resonate with something it gets in you, you. It seems like yeah. something that you're circling around too with it is like the process itself. Like anybody who's interested in the process in terms of what it took to mm-hmm. get there, what more so than the content itself in some ways. Yeah. I mean, one of my, my, my earliest kind of Twitter fights was like, uh, it wasn't even a fight. It was just like, I don't like the way they look. He was talking about unsafe. <laughs> and I was like, um, like I, that's, that's great. But like, I don't really think art is about how something looks. And he's like, what do you mean? <laughs> I'm like, well, like, I think art is just like, uh, you know, it's a set of phenomena in front of your eyes or your ears or your hands, like something you interact with that stimulates some kind of like electrical activity between your ears or not. And totally. like, so what is it? What is it reference? What does it point to? What does it make it like? But like what it looks like is not the. It's like, That's like uh, the last thing we care yeah, about in some yeah. way. Yeah. And, 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 and uh, at the same time, like, um, there, there's this, who's this guy? E.M. Forrester. He wrote a, a passage to, to India and I think like someone's journey, Morris's journey. He, he writes this other thing to, to writers called like uh, the aspects of a novel. Okay. And uh, if, if you've heard this story, let me tell the story before I interrupt me and stop. But it's like this, uh, sure. if you ask three people on the street, what is, what is a, a literature or what is a story, right? Mm-hmm. What is a novel? Um, what is a novel? Is it, the, the first person will say, I don't know. I don't have time for that. Goodbye. <laughs> right? And the second person will say, uh, a novel is a story. And I, it's, it should have a good story. I like a story, right? I like very confidently telling you that it's a story. And then the, the third person will be like, oh, I guess I, I guess it's a story. I, no, it's a story, but it's not like I don't like, ah, yeah, but it, it needs a story. Like there's this kind of like apprehension and like, like, and so what Ian Forster goes on to say is like, yes, at the end of the day, like a novel needs to have a story in it, right? And like, I remember being a kid watching my first movie that didn't complete in like linear time or like they jump cut around. Like a Pulp Fiction-y like, kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. Like, well, well even like where like they were flashbacks. And I was oh, okay, so okay. angry, like, because I was not used <laughs> to narrative devices, you know, yeah. like, re- like, 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 like every anime, I feel like, honestly, <laughs> yeah. I'm a huge anime nerd, uh, <laughs> but it's like every time, like some huge part in the fight, and then it goes back to the flashback, I'm like, ugh. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 but I didn't, like, my, I remember watching this in my, like, my family's living room, family room on the TV, like, I, I didn't understand, like, what is going on in this story, <laughs> because it kept jumping around in time, right? It wasn't a flashback, it was just like, there were like different, like, you know, uh, sequences, and you know, okay. uh, maybe I couldn't read or whatever, and it didn't, you know, seeing. The, but but I feel like when I was growing up, like most of the stories were told in this very simple, like A to Z, mm-hmm. one, two, three, four, mm-hmm. five kind of sequence. And now it's just it's very common that things jump. They start in the end and they go back to the beginning and they jump to the middle, and totally, then, you yeah. know, whatever. Or they're even told in reverse. But the, the yeah, point yeah. there, what, what I'm trying to say with the story thing is that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Ian Forrester is talking about like, yes, a novel needs to have a good story, but but the different there's a difference between a, a plot and a story. Like the, the 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 page turning aspect of a novel is like the cheapest device in the novel. To know what to want to know what happens next. That's just like that's pulp fiction. That's like a grocery store romances or like a John Grisham novel, right? Like or Tom Clancy, right? Like, oh what, what's gonna happen? I'm so you know like Yeah, yeah. The cliffhanger. But, yeah, but why things happen and what's motivating those those cats in the the story who are you know <laughs> like all that that stuff that's kind of the story and this yes the story is, is is kind of evokes or speaks to a deeper part of your kind of like uh, self than the and then and then and then you know like it's it's it's, it's almost like like derivative as opposed to the actual like. X itself almost. It's yeah. like, why, how did we get here? Why are we going there? And so so why I'm bringing this all up is that for me, Unsigs and like the, the art and what it looks like, I guess like if the art itself wasn't like interesting or didn't have something there, like the fact that I was making all these moves and it was about tech and walked in, like it wouldn't really matter, right? Like yeah. because there was there's there's nothing to it, right? It's just like a tech demo or an exercise or or um, you know, it, it has to it has to resonate on multiple levels, and that's why I, I'm I'm happy with what I did. Like, I think the fact that people can can like Unsigs without understanding all the kind of philosophical and technological moves behind it, that to me is a sign of success. But the fact that people can also who 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 are willing to kind of like who who I guess who are are curious to like what is this? Why is this? And 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 they get they are. They are more satisfied the deeper they get into it. That is also hugely um, validating for someone like myself. That like, you know, I guess um, I had a I had a friend in high school who 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 died I think in like some drunk driving accident I forget. But he yeah. was sitting next to me in like a Greek. What was it? We were taking Greek in in like a remote instruction. I, I don't know why I needed like a foreign language credit. And uh, he was kind of like this punk guy or whatever, right? And he was like. Yeah. I only talked to him in this class. Uh, I don't know why I call him my friend, but I think because he died, I remember him more, uh, right? Like it was kind of a thing. And, and uh, Totally, totally. And he's like, you know, what was it? I'm trying to remember how did he say it. He's like, uh, pop is like bubble gum. You chew it up and you spit it out. And, <laughs> you know, like, and, and that really kind of impacted me. Like the difference between something like bubble gum which you know it's it's fun for a time and it's meant to be like a temporary experience but like you're not meant to chew it and digest it right like uh <laughs> i like that yeah yeah and yeah it's and, meant to be transitionary it's meant to be temporary yeah. in some sense and, yeah and, and there's something beautiful about temporal experiences too right you know like japanese sure. people lose their shit over cherry blossoms because of their temporal nature, right? Like, um, I just like learned, the, I think I mentioned I'm taking Japanese lessons uh, once a week, and uh, I just learned, like, she was teaching me the vocab, I forget, for the mm -hmm. for the uh, celebration every year, or the festival oh, or something. You learned about oh, hanami. hanami. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And she, she's like, she had to explain that whole thing, like how that's a thing over there and not so much here. It's um, it's like a, they lose their shit. Over, like, it's nice. It's a flower. It's on a tree, right? Like, and and yeah, it's so short. Like they come and a week later they're gone, right? Maybe two weeks at most, depending There's on the weather. There's something so beautiful about that, though. That's like yeah. uh, you, you know. Um, are you familiar with uh, Doctor Manhattan? The last uh, what, uh, <laughs> um, no, I'm going more uh, DC comics uh, mm -hmm. area. Um, what's it? Watchmen. 
I I I I've watched the movie and I I know that like uh Alan uh what what is it what's the, who's the author of uh Alan Moore Alan Moore yeah 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 uh, yeah oh he's I, intense I, yeah intense so, so, dude so so what were you, where were you going with the Watchmen there's some beautiful like uh they they use like some quote like a, like a a dying like fly something that lives for like a second yeah or something a fruit like that. fly right just, like, like yeah fruit fly how, yeah. how beautiful like just in that fleeting yeah. moment and this dude who can literally like who literally experiences time all throughout mm-hmm. and not in a linear fashion but in an all at once fashion and so it's yeah. just like something about that and then the cherry blossoms i mean it's just like i, I do they, understand why that like fascinates yeah. you even so much it, 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 it is i mean the, the, the reason i'm i'm giving it shit is that like <laughs> an entire society like shuts down for a week kind of thing and like it's like <laughs> the, the peak of the year every it's like christmas or i don't know new, new year's kind of like it's like it's like the defining thing and there's a bunch of other stuff that goes along with that it. speaks I do, more I do to agree human nature it. than anything i think yeah because you, you know, don't you appreciate fought, like, something that's there all day you know, like the sky is beautiful sure. it's blue and, it, and the sun but it's there almost all the time and so we don't yeah. appreciate it right uh, yeah exactly and, and the cherry blossom exactly. that comes things that are <laughs> the golden banana the like the one of ten thousand is the thing that people are you know inherently there's something think about like fat and sugar in our brain right uh and 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 you know how rare honey is or something like that right mm-hmm. and why we all have diabetes or whatever kind of thing right <laughs> At this like point, our brains yeah. are evolved and wired to be like fat sugar that's rare as fuck. Eat, yeah, let's eat, do it. Eat, Even though right? now like, it's like the up. cheapest, worst thing ever. It's not. It's not <laughs> scarce at all, right? But like, yeah, um, yeah. there. Th- th- what I'm trying to there's like an evolutionary biology uh, kind of reason for us liking scarce things, like, and I think it goes back to something like that. That like load up while the getting's good, right? Because this thing might not be around in the future. Totally. Right. That makes sense um, from an evolutionary standpoint. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's funny how like somebody like that, though, with the unsigs, because the unsigs, like you were saying, it's such a it definitely bridges that divide between like, hey, if you want to look at something beautiful, here it is. Or, hey, if you want to understand something complex about how this was made and how this is actually like, you know, innovating. I mean, p- part of it is just financial. I mean, like, I, I'm not going mm-hmm. to pretend like um, Everyone who gets uns or everyone who owns unsigs or or, or 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 is a fan of unsigs on social media necessarily gets all of it, right? Of course, and, no. Yeah, like, of because, course. Because like because the project has has something like fifty or sixty x, right? Like it was sixteen ADA at launch. If Don't even say that. Figure out <laughs> if you figure out the like. It was always I, I can talk about. I kind of want to talk about this too. It was always fifty sure. ADA to buy, right? But, but you could get three of them. You got the, three the of them in right? the beginning. So yeah, the, yeah. the per per unsig cost ended up being sixteen ADA. I can I talk. Okay. I, I kind of want to talk about why I did that because I think it's yeah. Please important. yeah. Go ahead yeah. Um, we can ju- I, I just I'll try to finish a thought in this interview. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, it's all good, man. The the what was the point? Sixteen ADA and and now they're. I mean, at the peak they were sixteen hundred ADA, right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so that that's a hundred X, right? Like. A lot of the, I, I don't know the answer. There's around 2,000 people in the Discord who seem like more activated, more interested in like the fundamentals and the stuff behind it. And there's a larger audience, like, I don't know, 8,000 or so Twitter followers kind of things and a lot of stuff going on on, on Twitter. Um, I, don't, I don't think everyone gets it or needs to get it. But but part of it it has its own momentum at this point, right? Yes, like, absolutely. Like there are people who are just like, I'm on the unsick train, let's go to the moon, kind of thing, right? And uh, <laughs> for sure, for like, sure, that that's a thing, and and yeah, it is. But, what but it that's is. the beautiful. I I think the reason why it's such a vast 
Be- because people can tap into it if they want for monetary reasons. They mm-hmm. can obviously they can tap into it for artistic reasons, mm-hmm. which obviously would be better. I feel like than the monetary. But then mm-hmm. they can also tap into it for like the technical, yeah, like the the art like underneath the hood kind of yeah. thing. I, I think um, it, 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 there's sense. different ways of speaking to different people. Um, I think the most valuable thing, you know, I, I often shit on community because, like, I think it's kind of like, ooh, can I pull out a quote? I got one right here for you. <laughs> uh, I like. I thought this was a really good one too. Um, is it the Telegram? <laughs> let's see. People talking about NFTs. Here we go. Buying an NFT because quote you like the community end quote is like eating a, at a shitty restaurant with your friends. Yeah, you can, but why not go somewhere decent? If you take away the art, you have a Telegram pump and dump group. I mean, my mom always sends me. <laughs> my mom is like this huge. I love my mom. I love you, mom. Uh, but she, she's always falling for like MLMs or all these like like seedy kind of crap. It's like, oh my god. What, what's an MLM? Uh, multi-level marketing, like okay. New Skin or Avon mm-hmm. or, you know, Dude, Herbalife, yeah. Yeah. whatever. Like, I hear that, yeah. Like these kind of things. Uh, I think she's done with those now, I, I hope. Um, but and, and now, like, she sends me, like, these random, like, emails, you know, like, what do you think of this coin? It's like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> this is, like, obviously a pump and dump. Like... I heard this like, one called Shiba Inu. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Um, I'm holding like 14 million Shiba Inu from same, my mom same. because oh, really? uh, she she sent she sent like 400 dollars of ETH or something to to me on my on Mother's Day saying uh, give 200 of this to my wife Ashna and 200 for me and buy Shiba Inu for me because she like Shiba <laughs> wasn't on Coinbase because like they're not total degens right yeah yeah and uh, Which I it may is or now. may not it have is a, now on yeah. Coinbase oh it is oh shit yeah yeah they put um, it and so you know like that $400 went down to like I don't know like $80 at the, the, yeah. the, 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 the what, and then and now <laughs> yep. it's worth like a thousand or 1100 yeah. or something like that it's not yeah, a huge thing for a modest 2x gain right but uh from that, yeah, what, I guess where you're DCing in, yeah. Yeah, it, it was, just, it was just like, why are we talking about? Oh, oh the, the the pump and dump groups, like, yeah. So, like, it's clear, right? Like, who's fooling themselves? You know, like these f these NFTs, if they weren't, if they didn't have like a JPEG to go along with it, they're exactly the same as you know, Cum Rocket or any of these things. Except, I'll just say. I don't mind Cum Rocket and Shiba Inu because those are like, those are on other, sh- they're on their own shitty chain. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like, and it doesn't. But, but, but screw. do you not think that they, mm-hmm. that they mess up the ecosystem a bit? Like, for instance, Hoskinson has said, like, in the Lex interview, how mm-hmm. it's like, you know, mm-hmm. Elon uh, messing with Doge and all that stuff. Yeah. And it's like, oh, it's a it bit of fun. It messes with the like blockchain industry. But yeah, at yeah. least, like, I'm used to in the blockchain industry. There being a bunch of shitty coins, you know. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's just oh, a fact. There's a bunch that's of things. That's just going, how it goes. Yeah. What pisses me off about shitty CNFTs <laughs> is that they're on my fucking chain. <laughs> they devalue your chain. Yeah, they do. Like you yeah. know, literally, they 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 like you know. And my most recent tweet, I think about you know. Uh, the the evil Kermit meme thing, you know, like how Cardano has this kind of image and prestige and like we're doing shit differently. 
And then like, I think I'm not a huge branding marketing person. Like I actively dislike marketing and, and I think anything that needs to be advertised, like the more it's advertised, the less intrinsic value it likely has, you know, like pharmaceutical ads in the States, you know, uh, oh God, yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. But definitely the, all this, that, that is all that, all this is to say that CNFTs are actively dangerous to my long-term Cardano investment. Because I think Cardano is something different in the blockchain space. And I think that the CNFT community supporting and encouraging this whole like participation award, you know, like he uh, he worked hard to put out his art and you know, no, let's have the the gnomes or the eagles or whatever like this like no you should curb stomp that shit and you should say go back to your fucking hole you know um because you like i i try to, uh, to to walk it back a bit like anyone looking at creative trying to pursue creative practice i encourage that you For know sure. try to express yourself but there's a big difference between someone exploring their creativity and someone trying to pawn off ten thousand pieces at 25 or 58 of each to a bunch of people and, you know, like raising half a million dollars of fiat equivalent, you yeah. know, at the expense of everyone else. And absolutely, you know, no, it shouldn't be encouraged. No, it's not a good thing for the chain. And yes, we should get over it. And people say like the market will correct itself. Why do you, why do you, why are you shitting on these people? Right. And it's not that I'm sitting on those people. It's that I think the market will correct itself, but the market acts on information and like the kind of the buzz going around. Mm -hmm. And I mm -hmm. think, you know, I know I'm a very small part of the community, but I, I think it's important that the community, the, the, I hate the word community, that the, the people in the Cardano space start to see different perspectives on what this whole nft thing is mm -hmm. what it is and i have a perspective and i'm going to voice that perspective that on what i think these things are and if people don't like it they can unfollow me or they can argue with me or whatever right like that's fine absolutely i'm not absolutely. saying i'm right and it's very <laughs> it's very likely that some of these projects i hate i know will succeed because i always talk about marvel versus the museum right like so many more people go to see Marvel movies in this fucking shitty multiverse kind of thing. Um, I like I, comic I books. I love the Marvel I grew, MCU, but it's okay. I forget. I, well, I, I don't know. I, I <laughs> and, grew and, up and I get reading. Your point completely. Yeah, I grew up reading comic books. Um, I like uh, what was when I was reading X Men. It was like what was the the thing? It was um, onslaught. Uh -huh. was the thing uh, yeah. uh right Badass. and and Badass, the age dude, of yeah. apocalypse had just ended and onslaught yeah, was yeah. created like that was when i was in comic books was that kind of early, mid 90s early 90s thing and i, I love comic books I, I i and especially like there was you know jewish asian american kind of thing something about like the mutant story and like this discriminated group of people very was, much about race those were my life, people sure. right definitely, like th definitely. that was yeah that was my representation was like you know um and that's why I look like Charles Xavier. <laughs> I just shaved my head like two days. <laughs> but uh, but uh, those things meant a lot to me, and I like I like that thing, and I I, I like a lot of uh, graphic novels. Um, Ma Mouse, are you familiar with Mouse? Uh, I have it. I've never I, read I, it. I've read it. You I've should been, check I've it out, man. It's really good. I'm yeah. more Jewish than you. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> I know, right? What the hell? I eat bacon. I haven't read Mouse. What the yeah. hell? <laughs> um, 
and comic book. But but the point is is that like uh, I like this. Like there is an audience for this mass media, and a lot of that mass media will do well, you know. Um, for sure, and that's fine. But I also hope that the same way that there can be a Marvel MCU, there's also a potential for like you know art house cinema. You know, and one of the things I like about NFTs is that it enables like a very flat distribution where mm -hmm. here, here, I, I it kind of crosses over into like financial things. Like I often talk about like this, this will sound very snobby and elitist, but like the, the typical mm -hmm. mar take the average like net worth of like a, a Marvel movie goer, right? Like over at the mini mall and then take the net worth of someone who goes to like an art museum, right? probably pretty different you know like of course you have like the starving artists and the, the poor college students right you know yeah, but totally. like no but on the average it'll be disparate you know definitely. it'll be and, and and pareto laws power laws come into play like you know one percent have you know this kind of thing and so like i think that even if you why i think it matters is even if you don't care about uh art or this kind of thing like mm -hmm. a little bit is like the things that are likely to do well are things that you know like it or not like rich people like you know and that i get that some of this whole nft space is like a fuck you to like the contemporary art galleries who have like very conceptual abstract things that are let's say shitty or or whatever right you know everyone loves to put talk about the banana on the wall kind of thing or what you know uh duct tape to the wall but <laughs> i do think that it's like um in this society, there is kind of a, or in this world, there is a kind of like a, a acceleration that takes place. Things that do well do exceedingly well. And things that kind of struggle, like, it's like the runt of the litter. It's kind of like nature, right? Like, I didn't really understand. I, 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 I had a border collie when I was growing up. And um, the first one we got was the only one in the litter. They were a huge border collie, or, or, or what do you call it, Shetland sheepdog, right? These, okay. you, know, you know, what Shetland uh, Sheltie is, right? Like the, yes. the mini lassies, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, but yeah. Because beautiful. they were the only one in the litter, they were a larger one. And then we went back to the breeder and we we wanted another one, and there was a runt of the litter, right? That was like you know like half the size of the other one. So we had this one giant Sheltie and this one tiny Sheltie, but like <laughs> the kind of way of nature, and it's not necessarily of human society, is that like the runts die off. Right. Yeah. Um, Survival of the fittest. Then, yeah. Yeah. When I was in, in India again, there was a, there was a dog that uh, there, there's so many wild dogs in India. Like there, there's That's a pack of wild yeah, dogs yeah. and that monkeys. Live. Right. There's a lot of monkeys too around. Uh, yeah. In some parts of the city, yeah. Uh, That's it, what more heard, yeah. close to the to the outsides, but in Mumbai, yeah. There, there's so many feral dogs. Um, and and they're yeah. kind of like domesticated a little bit. You know, people are okay. nice to them, whatever. But th th this this one dog had a, a, a litter of puppies and. What was the thing? Um, one of them was sick and like I, I ended up adopting it with my wife. It was like it was covered in ants when we got when we took it in because uh, uh, like yeah. it was just like it was dead and like dying kind of thing. And we yeah, yeah. we tried to nurture it. And we, 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 we but but it, it had some kind of like, I don't know, fever when it was young and it never had control of its its hind legs. Oh, right. It. And so yeah. we we we. We were just trying to give it a good death, basically, right? Like clean it up, give, it, but but it ended up living almost like a year, right? Wow. Um, uh, and and you know, it, the, the, I tried to like three D print a model so it could like pull itself around with its front uh, oh, so legs cool. only and kind of stuff. But but you know, 
Yeah, this is, is going to have a gruesome end. At the end, like, it's like seeing this thing and like all the, the stuff that happened to this dog, like, like the dog was kind of meant to die. But like, the, the, like it, it couldn't, it couldn't care for itself, you know, it was pissing and shitting on the floor everywhere, you know, and like we couldn't, you know, diapers or the leak, like, but like it, it was just no, no way to really like, it's nature, right? Like it, it, it yeah. couldn't really work. There's entropy, so, entropy right there. Yeah. Literally. Uh, and and I, it, it, I don't want to sound like Darwinian, like social, you know, but I think one of the good things of human society is that we can take care of our week and we do take care of our week. But I don't think we can talk about that same principle of like taking care of those less fortunate in our society to like an NFT project that's trying to take half a million dollars <laughs> from the community, right? Like 100%, 100%, yeah. Because that particular example is like evil. And so like that's somebody mm-hmm. trying to do something messed up, like somebody getting old and needing to get taken care of or somebody, you know, being born with a disability, like, you know, that's that's I, I've learned a lot, a lot from like. uh, <laughs> I, I consider myself to be like on the autism spectrum when I like think about everything. And, 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 and like I didn't talk to people till I was like seven years old or something like that. Um, and uh it just it just and when I look at my kids' behavior now, like it's very clear, like oh, they're getting this from me, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm very sorry, um, but uh, the, the the like interacting with with uh, I, I was in in Utah. We had this thing like uh, you could take as one of your courses, like uh, uh, you'd have the period in this kind of like special needs room, and you'd help whatever. Like I learned so much from those those kids. You know, they were my peers. I'm calling them kids yeah. now because I'm not a, a kid anymore. But like, they're the same yeah. age as me, but they had a bunch of, you know, um, serious developmental disabilities and this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, but like, much, much kinder than me, much more appreciative of, you know, simple things in life than me. And so like, observing how they they behaved and, and, and that, like, I, I, I learned a lot about like, uh, like, I don't know, compassion or human thing. And I, I think there's actual, actual value in, 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 and having people live lives like that around other people so that people can kind of experience and observe like everything that life is and can be and also just appreciate what they have. And practice empathy. Yeah. Yeah. And and just that ability to be like, Oh shit, what is it like to have to actually live like that in some way? Yeah. Um, and, but, but, but I, I, when it comes to the marketplace or, or even like the, the, the marketplace of ideas, I don't think like I'm, I'm much more in terms of like, um, fast-paced evolution, quick selection, um, don't coddle, bad ideas. Bad ideas left to fester are dangerous. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Totally. Like, bad ideas should be killed and shot. And, um, <laughs> yeah, because they're like viruses. Yeah, they exactly. They multiply otherwise. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's really, for, as somebody who is, has a, you know, relatively new, I'm definitely very new in terms of, like, observing and getting in and collecting in the CNFT space and so on, um, like I, I love, like, it's nice to see, cause I, I hear what you're saying and I agree with so much of it. Obviously I think any like serious person who thinks about art would, um, but at the same time, it's like, it's cool to see your influence of it. You need forces like you in an ecosystem. You need somebody being like, yo, this is the bullshit. This is why this is mm-hmm. not, this is not what we want it to look like in the future. Or at least if you're in my camp, so on. Yeah. And then, but at the same time, there's like such a place, it's like a play of all these different things in the ecosystem. There's such a place for the crowd and the mob that is just yeah. like lemmings well, and they're able to do whatever. Cause it, we, it, we need it, each other argue, to be honest. It, 
Exactly. It, it helps Cardano grow as an ecosystem, if not to say what not to do or what's not going to help the community going forward. I mean, I, I never watched wrestling. It was never my thing. But I, I have a, I have, I've had a few friends who are into it. In some ways, I kind of feel like the heel. I guess is the character, right? Like uh-huh. the, the bad guy, like whoa! <laughs> Bring your NFTs to me, and I shall shit on them. Yeah, like um, you should start like an NFT roast podcast. I, I, like uh, there, there's a few, there, there's a few. There, even in my most recent tweets, there's a few well-meaning people who are like. What do you think of my NFT? <laughs> and, I, and, the, <laughs> and you're like, this is shit. <laughs> I, I I don't have it in me um, to uh, like to to really like roast them, right? Like I, I've thought of making an NFT review channel where like I, it would intentionally be like running through a gauntlet, right? Like I will like, and I don't think it has. To, it, it would be mean, but I, I would just ask like some very simple questions, like tell me why your NFT matters. Like, why why does this need to exist? It would be like uh, between two ferns with Zach yeah, Galifianakis. Yeah, yeah. But, but no, like I mean, to make you feel like <laughs> it, it would be like a very design crit. Like you spent yeah. some time and energy to do this, and uh, the obvious answer to me is because you wanted to make some money, right? Like mo- that's why most of these projects exist. Like you wanted to make some money, and and you thought you could, so you did this, but. I mean, I don't get care that you want to make money, you know, like that's not yeah. a useful thing to me. And I don't, you know, um, whatever. But the the other thing about the 10 k thing, though, is I actually think that, you know, um, what how I inserted my thing. And this this goes back to one idea that I want, like the, the, the way of the drop, right, that you got three and then two and then one. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually think like at least right now, that's part of this medium. And I don't mm-hmm. really necessarily like the one of one like five series nfts Mm -hmm. like or or a collection of five like hand-drawn pieces i don't think those really understand the medium either if we talk about cardano mirrors you know was poking at the medium like there there is something about scale and distribution that is inherently bound up in nfts to me right Mm -hmm. like the reason nobody cares about like your five photos or your five portraits like there is something about network effects that is bound up into an nft right like the idea that you're part of a larger group of people and if that group of people Mm. can only be five people or ten people then who cares Mm. so it's got it's it's got to find that goldilocks point basically where it's like enough but not too much not oversaturated yeah or, or or i would even say like there was some confidence on my part to release, you know, people gave me shit for releasing 31,119 of these unsigs, right? But but my I had a, a design, re- everything about my collection was designed. And I don't mean that design like I'm picking colors or whatever, right? Like I have a negative connotation of design before I learned architecture. I thought design was like a superfluous thing that was added on at the end of a process. But design is really about like... Uh, trimming fat and like reducing something down to its essential core parts and say like i i've used this a few times like cutting away tumors you know like you don't Mm want to take healthy tissue but you do want to remove as much tumor as possible and what i say is like a good designer is like a surgeon like simultaneous a sculptor and a surgeon simultaneously removing and adding in material Mm. at the same time to kind of produce this thing which which is um which is the result and so We'll talk about the, the, the aspects of this thing that I think make it resonate. One is 
I understood the context into which I was inserting this collection. Like, I didn't see a lot of art collections on Cardano. And certainly not a 10K art collection, right? Mm -hmm. um, there were a few people who were, like, putting portraits out or whatever. But I saw the, the 10K drop. And I was like, there is an audience of people that are there that are buying these things, that are, that are participating in this. I want to kind of subvert it and use it for my own ends. And mm -hmm. so what did I do? I, I, I gave them something in a format that was somewhat digestible to them. A lot mm -hmm. of it wasn't, right? Like when I first released Unsigs, like there was a kind of like a reaction from the established CNFT community where they didn't really like or get what I was doing. And yeah, like that's so you know, funny like they, to imagine at this point. <laughs> yeah, I mean now people talk about it like like we were the OG or whatever, and I've I've said like we're we're not OGs. Like uh like we were part. I was part of the second wave of NFT projects. You know, like I explicitly started working on Unsigs after I saw other people's NFT collections. You know, and, and, and just so I have some examples, like what Space what's Buds, first? Cardano yeah, Bits, Hoskinsons. I saw those okay. in the world, and I was like. I want to make my own collection, right? Because I want to do something that I think I do, can do something different and interesting and valuable to, to uh, you know, uh, like, how do you say, mentally, philosophically, that, that will push the space forward, right? Totally. But I put it, like, th there's a lot of things about Unsigs that are similar but different to other drops. I don't want to be like... What is the thing like? Not like other girls, you know, kind of thing, right? But, but like, kind of like that's that, a meme right? right there. Yeah. Um, and so, so the fact that there's thirty-one thousand, there's this idea that there's fifty million possible unsigs if you if you exhaustively make all of them, right? But mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I didn't want to randomly select a set of them. Like I could have said there was ten thousand and randomly selected from all of the fifty million, right? But I wanted to kind of like. Because I said it was like a, a study of color of all the ways you could combine these things, I needed to like what, what I did is I, I systematically called using rules like any unsig that has this kind of property or is like this, remove it from the set of 50 million. And so I basically applied some kind of like a concentrated energy to this 50 million that boiled off, you know, uh, 49,9999 million, right? Or whatever kind of thing. And left some kind of core, which was all of the unsigs were subjected to the same kind of like uh, selection criteria. And the result is the leftover kind of like whiskey or scotch that was left after that distillation process. Or it's like a sculpture also, I feel like. Yeah. It's very much that same process of taking away as opposed to adding. It was what was within at the core where, where you remove all this other stuff, right? And there was some stuff I would have liked to include in the collection, but I couldn't think of the clever set of rules that would systematically allow it to exist and at the same time um, mm. not allow other stuff. But, but, but you know, uh, there's, there's some stuff on the cutting room floor that I... And anyone who's made a film, like, you know, there's stuff you would have liked to include oh, in the film. Oh, there's always but, stuff. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Whatever. But that's um, cool. Also, that kind of, you know, shows your your integrity about it. Like, mm -hmm. you're you're not just talking the talk as far as, like, you know, adhering to process, adhering to logic, not just going with what aesthetically pleases you. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, I often say, I often think that if I was a more clever programmer, maybe there could have been rules I could have come up with that would have allowed, uh, basically, me to, the, the problem was sometimes I had to cut and cleave off like a, like a bad surgeon like the only way i could get a lot of this tumor out was to cut a little bit of healthy tissue right yeah. and if i was a, a more skilled surgeon maybe i would have been able to move my knife in such a way to extract tumor and leave in integrity of tissue but with the skills that i had because i'm a, a maybe a budding artist you can say like 
you know, I, I, I would have liked to have included it, right? But, but yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, there was a, I'm okay with it, that kind of thing. So, for sure. So what I like, it was a thirty-one thousand piece drop. So like that was weird. It's like three times as large <laughs> as other collections. At the time, there were only two thousand people who bought NFTs. Damn. Right. What a like time. there were two thousand wallets with NFTs in them, and so people looked at yeah. me like, "You're fucking crazy." Like, <laughs> there's not <laughs> enough. Like this? everyone has to buy. What five for a ten thousand, or, or like everyone has to buy fifteen <laughs> of these for it to work. Um, yeah. But the reason it worked is that it spoke to a large audience of people who weren't into NFTs, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. you know looked at NFTs like I'm not into cartoons, I'm not into uh, you know like uh, silly kid stuff, and like so many people tweeted out uh, when the drop was like like I haven't bought an NFT but I bought an unsig, and so many people now are like. I got into NFTs because of Unsigs, and then I started exploring the space, but nothing has really kind of spoke to me the same way Unsigs has, right? Yeah. Like, and so I, they, 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 it's kind of like, I feel like a, a pastor of a flock. Like, I watched all these people come in, then I kind of watched them kind of like update their profile pictures to these random like <laughs> shitty projects. And now I see them kind of like coming back and I'm like, come home, come they, to Papa. Uh, yes, right? yes, like, yes. <laughs> like I knew this would happen all along. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, home cooking's good, right? Uh, kind of thing. I, I didn't so know that would happen. I don't care that like, of course, you know, like people can do whatever they want, right? I of really course, don't care. Of course. But, um, no, but it speaks, to, it it speaks to a larger thing though, in general. Oh, oh I lost I you there. Think, uh, my, my my battery died. Let me just swap my camera battery. You can keep talking. I'll be back in 20 seconds. Sure, sure. Um, the larger thing it speaks to, though, is as, as you've, you know, touched upon so many times, the Cardano community, I feel like, is kind of made for unsigs in that sense. People want to think. Yeah. People don't want just the surface, you know, like the cash grabs or like whatever rock. Like people are here for the long term. Yeah, exactly. Um, so. I think it's. Am I back for you? Can you see me? Again? Yep, you're back. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. I mean, I it's it. I don't think everyone in Cardano likes or gets unsigs, and that's that's fine. But I also don't think that I could have released this on another chain and it would have worked yeah. because, like, um, like if unsigs are like scotch or whiskey, there's like uh, Cardano already has like a higher concentration of alcohol or of like thinking people in it than other projects right and so definitely i really tip my hat to you know charles and and the other cardano kind of instigators for assembling this kind of critical mass of people which if you think about it in the larger sphere of things the implications are maybe cardano's competitive advantage over other chains is like uh that projects which are not typical which are kind of more like thinking man's version of DeFi or whatever are more likely to be able to succeed here because like they there's more um people who are actively thinking in the audience and so you know i think a lot of times like the stereotype is like a frustrated artist or entrepreneur genius you know who struggles and isn't able to connect with the audience and and sometimes they're too you you often say they're too early for their time right it was like the right idea but it was just too early and people weren't ready for the right place yeah part of that i think is bullshit because i think someone who is like (laughs) sufficiently intelligent should be able to figure out a way to connect and resonate with people right um like to, to to spoon feed the audience right like if you're really smart and you're really whatever like you should be able to figure out a way to dose this in increments such that people don't have this reaction to you that yeah, is very negative, much manipulating right? so yeah. as to yeah so yeah, so definitely. so again my drop 31000 and then you know the the normal thing to do for a drop at the time was to have incrementing tiers 
The first, mm-hmm. if you're doing a 10k drop, the first a thousand are 10 ADA, the next mm-hmm. thousand from a thousand to two thousand are 20 ADA, and then mm-hmm. the last nine thousand to ten thousand NFTs are 100 ADA. That's how people did 10k drops, and so the average selling price was 50 ADA. You made 500,000 ADA overall from your drop, but the people up front didn't pay a lot, and the people at the end paid a lot. And I kind of fucked with my audience because I thought. It's very hard to get someone to who paid 10 ADA for something to pay 100 ADA at the end, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. like, that doesn't work. Like, if I have to pay 10x what I paid, right? So my idea was, like, I'm going to psychologically condition you that you're paying 50 ADA. I ask for the same amount throughout the entire drop, but yeah. I'm going to give you slightly different because all I'm asking you to take out of your wallet is 50 ADA. That yeah. never changes. What you get back in return is three or two or one. But, mm-hmm. you know, like that's, that, that's, on the, that's like on the dopamine side of the equation. The, 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 dope, the amount of dopamine is going down, right? That you're getting back. But the pain you're inflicting on yourself is constant. And I, <laughs> I, I think pain is a very powerful motivator, right? So, sure is. <clears throat> uh, by keeping pain constant, also, uh, maybe towards the end, in the last phase, like we had already achieved some critical mass and kind of success by having the first 10,000 sell out, the next 20, the next 10,000. And like, even though mm-hmm. you were getting less unsigs, what each unsig represented was more um, surety, right? Like, like people in the first phase, they didn't know, like, this is crazy. Like, how, are, how are they going to, you know, you need to sell out to be successful. Otherwise, no one cares about you. And they took on a lot more risk and they got, you know, so they, they, they were rewarded more by having more. But like towards the end, there was less risk at play because it was like we kind of had like momentum and tipping points. And, you know, like mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, it's going to mm-hmm. sell out. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. you, don't, you don't go like, you know, like to, uh, the, the you know, 100 meters from the finish line of a, of a marathon like, and then be no, like, I'm nah, I'm <laughs> <laughs> I changed my mind. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's so, really smart. That's, that's really smart, intelligent way to do it, I feel like. And, and flip, flip the whole kind of thing on its uh, it's uh, back. So that, that's what I mean by like, if, if you are, you know, um, I think a lot of, a lot of people in the Cardano community, I feel like I kind of identify with like, I think we're smart individuals. We've been stuck in our day jobs. We haven't been to like stretch our legs and fully actualize ourselves or whatever, or achieve our full potentials because, you totally. know, corporate grinds are so shitty and, and whatnot. The, the world. Yeah. Definitely. Um, but what I kind of feel is like, there were so many things that worked about the unsig drop. Like it was very validating for me, right? Like I think, you know, of course the art aspect is, is the most important, the most interesting thing to me. But I, I think if I had screwed up the mechanics of the drop, you know, um, like mm-hmm. I, I, what, I, what I said is I designed the entire drop. So this whole 50 ADA thing and even like the rate of acceleration of that price increase, right? It went from three to two. You could say it's just three, two, one, but from three to two, you know, like there's, there's a, you know, like um, you're getting two thirds of what you got, right? So the rate of decay yes. is like 66, you're getting 66% of what you got in the first one. And then okay. from phase Versus, two to phase three, it's half, mm-hmm. right? Like it's a doublet, right? And so like the, the, the curve got steeper, right? Like I, des- I literally designed that. Like I That's had a cool. spreadsheet where I was looking at what's the total revenue of the project, you know, mm-hmm. and from phase to phase to phase, you know, like the first phase, I didn't get a lot of ADA, relatively speaking. Like the last phase is where I made all my money, right? Like I sold the same number of NFTs in each phase, 
but the last phase was like 60% of the revenue, right? But you sold the same amount of NFTs in each phase. How is that though? If so, there were 31,119 NFTs, divide that by three, there's like Mm -hmm. 30,373 NFTs in each phase. But if you think about the number of transactions that are necessary for the first phase to sell out, it's only like Mm -hmm. 3,333, roughly. Okay. Okay. I need to, and so 3,333 times 50 is the amount of ADA that was the gross in phase one, right? Yes. 5,000 times 50 was phase two. 10,000 times 50 was phase three. (laughs) Exponentially, yeah. Right? And so, like that, and so, so I basically allocated over the entire drop, where do I want to make my money? You know, mm-hmm, if I had mm-hmm. put more of the phase three money into the phase one thing, you know, I might have made more money up front. But like, if you think about what is going on in an NFT drop and the importance of success, breeding more success, it made sense to me to back weight my revenue. Totally. Right. Totally. And so because if I front weighted it and that killed the 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 success the, the and the momentum exactly it, yeah. right then then we wouldn't have gotten to the end and so yeah. you know it's that's what i mean by like it's weird to as an artist as someone interested in this thing to think about the commerce side of the things but i think that's why i'm not a frustrated artist like yelling at my computer that no one gets me right now totally i get what you're saying more too with your comment before about um how like, you know, if, if an artist wasn't able to monetize properly or whatever in their time, you know, it's, it's kind of on them in some way, you know, in, in general. I think I think monetization of an art like I, I, I think the, the, that holds more for entrepreneurs. Right. Yes, like yes, uh, yes. like I, for an entrepreneur, you need to figure that out for an artist. For sure. I don't I don't think I often yell at people on Twitter like art has nothing to do with commerce. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it has yeah. not you're, you're talking about commerce. I'm talking about art. Like, yeah, they're the two very different things, feed, and right? they like, and they can be very very oxymoronic. It's like when uh, and I have my yoga teacher training, but yeah. I very much believe that yoga and finances do not go well together if you're trying <laughs> to actually like do it because there's yeah. it's like very anti- it's the same <laughs> yeah. thing. I completely agree. Exactly. Yeah, not not to say like people shouldn't teach yoga and yeah. charge money for it. They should, but you just have to understand going into it that you're going into something that's predestined not to work together. That's yeah, I, uh, oil and water. Um, exactly, and, and exactly, so yeah. and, and I mean, what what I what I kind of, why I'm talking about it now is like I think it's kind of to look at like um, a little bit of the meta perspective on unsigs, right? Like what what all happened, and people kind of looking at it like, oh, you got lucky or whatever. Like, no, I didn't get lucky. I knew what I no. was doing and I executed yeah. on it, and um, and. And that's that's why I think I'm here, and why a lot of other people are not here, right? Like, totally. and, and no, you planned and that's every not, bit of it. Sounds like it's it's not gloating, right? It's it's to say that I actually view what happened as like, um, it was very. It made me more confident. It's might be maybe survivor survivorship bias or whatever kind of thing. Like because I made mm-hmm. it and I pulled myself up by my bootstraps, yeah. everyone else could. But yeah. it kind of renewed my faith in capitalism a little bit and I, as a former mm-hmm. commie bastard that was very very weird right like uh, <laughs> but but yeah, when i, I think imagine. about you know pe- what did it mean where someone a lot of people bought unsigs and still hold them to this day thinking like these things are worth you know hundreds of thousands of ada and i'm not going to let them go for these peasant prices that don't don't <laughs> don't value them right and yeah, other yeah. people have like changed hands like 
I kind of understand what it means to have weak or strong hands now in terms of like capitalism, right? Like mm -hmm, these mm -hmm. people who bought in and what's crazy, like people who bought in for 16 ADA are still buying unsigs on the market at like a thousand or 5,000 wow. or 10,000 ADA because yeah. like, they're like, no, this is still an underpriced asset, you know? And I think it is worth more. Uh, and like, there are other people who are like, Yay, I hit the lottery, you know, like I <laughs> cash out on my unsigs, right? And yeah. I didn't really believe in the capitalist idea that allocating capital should be rewarded, you know, which is fundamentally what capitalism is about, right? Like if you have capital, if you have means, you get to pick where you put your funds in and those, you know, workers or, or entrepreneurs uh, you know, uh, work with that capital to produce value for society. Um, but, you know, seeing this, it's, experiencing a little bit of UNSIG has given me like a new lens into what it, how capitalism works. Totally. Right? Well, that, it's, like, it's, you a, it's see a capitalism, it, it's a capitalism, wealth. obviously it's all through Cardano mm -hmm. and that ecosystem is just, you know, like in the United States, I don't think we have like a real form of capitalism here because it's all yeah, controlled yeah. by special it's interests and so corporate on. welfare and, and this kind of thing. Exactly, exactly. Socialism so like that, for corporations. Yeah, God, yeah. Um, so it's like you were able to achieve something in a capitalist like way because um, because the, the society in a way that wasn't screwing over anybody. You know, that wasn't like off the backs of whatever. Be, uh, partially, I would assume. Uh, it should be attributed to Cardano's, like, because that's the point of it, really. I feel well, like. it, it it actually, yeah. So if you if you think of, it, like I said, I used to be a commie bastard, right? Like, it's <laughs> yeah. very weird for me to you know uh, to talk like this. But what it it kind of makes you think is that the reason this could work is one, we're in a, a what this shows is that like free and fair economic transactions mm -hmm. are a very valuable thing for unlocking human potential. Because 10 years ago, 12 years ago, what, like, I chose not to become an artist because I didn't think I could feed my family by pursuing art as a career, right? Or like, I, I literally thought like, my daughter would starve if I pursued art. And yeah. as much as I liked art, like, <laughs> it was more important that my daughter not starve than to, you know actualize myself right and to pursue what i was interested in so I, I i made compromises and i became an adult and i you know <laughs> i give my my daughter and my family a lot of credit for you know like turning me from a a, a weak spine sniddling little idiot into a man kind of thing right and but but what's amazing is that like even the most successful nft projects in cardano they have maybe like three thousand wallets right now like three thousand and maybe you know, somebody has two wallets or three wallets of, of, of course, so maybe yeah. a thousand or two thousand people can, you know, like what, what what became clear to me is even in phase one, we had one guy buy like two or three hundred unsigs, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then he, eventually he bought you know two or three thousand unsigs, which was even sure. crazier. But even at two or three hundred, so he's a he's a whale, he's a whale, for sure, right? yeah, he, yeah. Uh, right. But he he's a normal guy. He, well, he's not a normal guy. He's an ayahuasca <laughs> shaman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's I love very it. not That's a normal awesome. guy. He, he, <laughs> he, the reason he went so deep into unsigs, like, 
when I when I go on my visions and my trips, like what I see is evocative of unsigs, and I think unsigs wow. are like uh, showing. Like, Dude, that's amazing. I yeah. love that connection. It's um, the most random shit when it comes yeah. to like global. I love it. The, the gnomes are building unsigs, and, and you've revealed the truth. So the I thought the, the gnomes point, was DMT, right? It's, yeah, I, I think I think DMT is like a synthetic version of ayahuasca or something like that. Okay, I think it's okay, the same active it. ingredient. Um, okay. Okay. <laughs> not, not that I I know. Oh, no, no. <laughs> and, but so so. But when it was two or three hundred, you know, mm-hmm. I, 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 time out. I had imagined that like the largest person might have like five or so unsigs, right? And, and I needed, you know, 31,000 divided by five people to get my project in order for it to sell out and to be um, financially successful, which meant that I could, you know, quit my job and do what I wanted to do. Totally. Um, to say nothing of like artistic, like I thought I had succeeded. I was proud of what I did, but, but whether or not it yes. would financially succeed was something else. But when, 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 we, when we kind of had that thing happen where somebody had got 200 and then 300, I realized what is it? I need 100 people on the planet to get my project. And I believe in my project enough that I thought there are probably 100 people who not only get the project, but who have the financial means and wherewithal to in, like, uh, not invest, but support the project. Yes. You know what I mean? And so that's when like a light bulb flipped in my head like, oh, I won. Yeah. You know, like if <laughs> one person is willing to buy 300 of these, right, yeah. there's 99 other people on the planet because unless that guy's a fucking crazy, <laughs> you know, which he kind of was, right? He's an ayahuasca chef, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I had to temper this. But, but when there was two and then there were, when there was three of these people, you know, who yeah. had bought this many, um, I, I knew like, oh, we've succeeded right like yeah it's, yeah. it's no, going it's to totally. work and there, i mean there's enough people on the planet for god's sake that if if one yeah. human is willing to do it then yeah absolutely absolutely then, then, then there's probably others right and and so yeah. have you ever seen this ted talk like the first follower um, i don't think i have he shows a video of like a hill and people are all sunbathing one guy stands up and starts dancing we often give a lot of credit to like the leaders of a movement but yeah what he talks about is like the first follower is like very a uh, critical kind of important thing because until someone decides to go along with that kind of leader or instigator of the thing that leader instigator is just a crazy person totally right the like on the just, hill to yeah, quote the beatles standing you know dancing yeah. exactly right <laughs> definitely uh, but the first follower has like the balls to like say no you're not crazy and no no one else supports you but I'm going to support you. And that, that, yeah. that, that's, a, that's a also like a very brave thing to do. Like the first person is maybe um, creativity driven. The second person is maybe like bravery driven, right? Like, and, and you know. Although, although the first person needs some bravery too. For first sure, person needs to put, or, to put their or, shit Or they just need there. to be crazy or they just need to not care. <laughs> that's right? true. Like, that's true. Yeah, you know, one or the other. You know, they need to have... To be successful, I think they need to have some creativity in there, right? Because, like, otherwise people just say, you're crazy, you're an idiot, go away, right? Or just ignore you, right? But I think the the, the dominant kind of characteristic of the second person is, like, even though, like, and they look around, no one else has chosen to validate this thing. Yeah. The, the, The herd instinct would say, keep your ass on the floor, do not join, this is a dangerous act. Like, yeah. the, 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 the mob is about to jump on this person and shut them up, right? Because that, that's usually what happens. 
So Definitely. even more so than the first person, because I think oftentimes the first person is kind of damaged or crazy or doesn't care about the reaction of the crowd. The second person is often more of the crowd, is aware of the social repercussions and the danger of what they're doing, but decides to to go with it anyways. And that's mm-hmm. where I'm talking mm-hmm. about, like the and then you know the third, and then the, you know, and then then it becomes like uh, people standing up because like they have to, and that's kind of where unsigs yeah. are now, right? Like I think there's a lot of people yeah, yeah. who don't necessarily get it and who are like, oh, whatever. Well, but they they but, know uh, that yeah, as far as an investment goes, yeah, for some of them, that's cool though. How it, you know the uh, the the curve that you spoke of from mm-hmm. the selling mm-hmm. aspect, it sounds very similar almost to this process too of following. Where it's like you I, I need mean, a lot in the beginning, and then it goes less and less and less. I I I said you, you can scroll back in the Discord. I said I think the there will be like three phases of unsigs. They're like the people mm-hmm. who get it early on from my explanations, right? Mm-hmm. And then I think there will be the next wave of unsigs, like you guys explaining it to other people better than I can because I'm not the best communicator. I'm a little bit rough around the edges. Um, you know, I tried to rein it in a bit during the launch and be a little bit more friendly, right? And, and now people are getting to know a little bit more of the real me. And, it's great. Keep it coming, man. Keep it coming. And, and the third phase would be people who don't get the project, but they just buy it anyways, right? Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and they're providing exit liquidity or whatever kind of thing. But like... They're also maybe just making a savvy investment decision, right? To, again, to allocate capital where you know they think it will provide them a return. And and I, I mm-hmm. used to judge mm-hmm. those people, but now it's kind of like, well, you are providing a kind of service, you know. To what you're providing is, you, you know, you might get like a two x or a three x on your your money, but you're providing uh, value to the people who were early on who had you know vision and didn't have. A lot of capital to put into the thing and so mm-hmm. you know you're, mm-hmm. you're you know all things in their place you know and yes. all things in their absolutely. time kind of thing right so absolutely it's, it's, and uh, and in additionally to those people are bringing attention you know whether it's good yeah. or bad attention kind of thing you know it's the that's why it's like again like back to the 10k cookie cutter bullshit it's mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not it's not cool, especially as mm-hmm. like, you know, somebody like yourself, you know, who's like actually trying to do real stuff in that space. Um, but, you know, there it does come with its it's it's part of the whole ecosystem. It's got it's it's good size. It's I, bad I, size. Yeah, kind of thing. I mean, I was surprised. I saw some like uh, ETH crypto thing like he he blocked Kylie Jenner, who offered him something for his bathing uh, B.A.Y.C. NFT. Right. And I thought that's like a really dumb thing to do, you know, like, yeah, like. <laughs> Yeah, like I, I more than anyone, I hate the Kardashians, you know, or like I just think it's like they're in, like a all that is wrong in our society and like you know being they famous, are a good representation being famous, of that, yeah, um, and and yeah, superficial. Uh, one aside, I also love Kanye, and so I was just so pissed off that like <laughs> Kanye <laughs> fell for this shit, right? And I'm so I'm oh, so happy out, last, last year, right, for for the Kanye free Kanye from a. Kind of he still isn't he still with her? No, I don't know. I don't care. I don't follow celebrity. <laughs> really, I, I thought they got me divorced. Neither. Don't don't you? You're gonna bring it back sorry, around for me. But, sorry, sorry. But, uh, I, I could be totally wrong. I, I'm also somewhat clueless about the whole thing. But yeah, I mean, I, the the best thing is like when uh when I when I stopped using Microsoft, I stopped getting like you remember MSN Messenger. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And if you get like that that Microsoft news thing when you turned on your computer yeah. and it would tell uh, you yeah, and like yeah. it was always like celebrity news things and switching over to Linux I don't get that anymore of course like probably could have disabled <laughs> it in Amazon Messenger or whatever but I just I, I don't pay attention to that stuff uh, so.
so even though I dislike the Kardashians and all that kind of thing represents, like that was a dumb move in terms of like, if you care about the space, you want to increase the tent, the size of the tent. Mm-hmm. Like he should have sold his fucking thing to uh, <laughs> Kylie Jenner or whoever it was, right? And I say that as someone who yeah. despises them because, like yeah. you, um, just the the headlines and the press from you know Kylie Jenner buys BAYC. What's going yeah. on here? Like that's good for the entire space. And exactly. even exactly. even yeah. if. I would argue if he, I think he has multiple of these BAYC apes, right? Um, okay. I would argue in a purely ep- economic means, like even if he thinks that that ape was worth more than what she was going to offer it, probably you know uh, contributing to the development and story of of BAYC, the, his the rest of his portfolio uh, would have increased in value, and it was it was the right move yeah. to make. Of course, he got some clout for like blocking Kylie Jenner and not selling oh, out yeah. to the mainstream and whatever <laughs> on Twitter. And so, but of course, of course, I, whatever. I mean, yeah. A couple couple other things I want to do before hit before we uh, close up. Wrap it up. Okay. Cage four four thirty three. If that's okay, if you're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Cage four thirty three. For those who don't know it, it's a piece of music. Are we gonna perform it now? As such. <laughs> Yes, please. Can you? <laughs> Have you practiced? Um, so it's uh, technically written for the piano. It's three movements. Somebody uses a timer. It says tacit on the page. So the pianist does not play a single note. And they sit there and they wait. And they turn the pages accordingly with the timer and all that. And it's supposed to last four minutes and 33 seconds. And then the piece is over. And one interpretation, one I subscribe to, is that it's Cage's way of saying... It's kind of like looking at a blank canvas essentially and basically saying here's here are the sounds of the world this can be considered music too it just depends on your perspective of how you listen to it mm-hmm. so i could i could see your mentality going like totally like in opposition to that or totally like along with it and and, oh, I, and then I also you, okay, so so just to also give it a little more perspective though this one quote that um you retweeted, uh, nature as it is, nature with nothing uh, selected or discarded from it cannot become a work of art. And so it's just funny when thinking of it through the, through the perspective of that. So, so what I, what I, that, that, that's a Nagai Kafu quote, um, Japanese literary uh, thing. And um, mm-hmm. what, what I think that, like art and uh, mimesis or mimetic, like this, this, this kind of plastic urge is kind of a, uh, this desire to create things is kind of like one of the, the, the things intrinsic to humans. Um, and yes. if you're like a ghost in the shell anime fan, right? Like th- yes, the, the doll that. making urge, like the, the, the AI urge to like recreate children or recreate things like in our own image. Right. Or, or totally. what, what is like uh, Prometheus, right? Mm-hmm, like, uh, mm-hmm. like we want to make our own recreate ourselves kind of thing. Um, there's, there's something very, um, the humans have that, right? That it's like it's like a fact. But but just just selecting from nature mm-hmm. without editing or curating or or you know doing something like that's just nature. And that's not to say it isn't beautiful, or like you can't go to a, a vista or a, a, you know and look out at nature and and have a, some kind of like aesthetic experience. That's not what that quote is saying. But it like art is created and it's a little bit of a of a a conversation between an artist and the audience right yes and so if 
if you're just bringing nature in its entirety before an audience, like what's the conversation there? I guess the conversation and sorry, sorry, go ahead. Mm. Remember, art without selection. He, he, in that quote, he doesn't say that nature is not art, but like without some kind of selection or editing or removal, just nature. Like that cannot be art because like it's not. You could argue maybe it's found art or some kind of like you yeah, because because technically kind of you thing. are putting a parameter around. But it. You're, you're putting you're putting this from this not time that. to this time. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yes. And so I and 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 also I would subscribe to the notion in in like uh, Japanese aesthetics. There's this idea of ma. Ma is the the we often say like in Japan streets don't have names. Um, they usually don't by default. We name the plots oh, of land that are captured by streets or they're given uh, numbers but the actual okay. street is often nameless and so like the, Man, the space so cool. between streets right like it's a very different way it's like you flip it right yeah, um, yeah totally and and also you know um if you've watched uh, what is it raputa the castle in the sky like studio ghibli movie uh studio ghibli um, yep 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 yeah it was so funny i i watched this on a vhs tape um like the first three or four minutes are silent or don't have any dialogue. It's not silent. There's a, there's an ambient mm-hmm. sounding of like those little planes buzzing around over the field. But mm-hmm. when I first time I downloaded it on torrent and like watched it with English subtitles to actually understand what, what everyone was saying, because I didn't speak Japanese at the time at all. I was very confused because there's a bunch of English subtitles because the subtitles are for the dub. Okay. Right. And what I what I discovered was that in the dub. Like for an American or English speaking audience, they had inserted a bunch of dialogue between the pirates and the grandma who was talking oh, to each other. Just because they couldn't other. deal with the silence. They couldn't kind of deal thing? with the silence, right? And I, I, like, ah, that's that's so, like the that's most so Western culture, uh, right? Like, yeah, kind of real. like Disney thing. And so, it's like, make so, sure they're not too bored. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, you just, you, you're not comfortable with silence, right? Kind of thing. And so, for me, silence is not nothing, right? Like, it's, it's, it is something. Right. And it is selection. Yeah. And like you can talk about like uh, in to, in visual art, you talk about positive and negative space. You know, I would mm-hmm. I would argue in composition, the absence of a note is a note. Mm-hmm. Right. Totally. Like and it, totally. it has as much or more or as at least as much power as a note. And so that composition is it's I wouldn't argue it's not nothing. It's a very intentional and it's mm-hmm. a very. Uh, profound thing, you know, to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to capture that as a composition and to you know, and I think it's a very clever and interesting and 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 uh, uh, you know, like a c- conceptual piece, and I I, I I like it. So yeah, totally cool. Again, no, like awesome. you know, so the, the guy on Twitter be like, I don't like how it sounds. Like, well, yeah, exactly, exactly. One, I do like how it sounds, and two, <laughs> I don't know that everything needs to be directly like, interpreted at that surface layer of what it yeah. sounds or uh, looks like. Definitely. It reminds me of uh, the 0000 on SIG. Yeah. I mean, or, or 2001 Space Odyssey, yeah. you know, yeah, the, yeah. the black monolith or, or, or uh, the, yes, the yes. Russian guy with painted a black canvas, you know, there's tons yeah. of stuff like you know, that, reductivism, yeah. simple kind of uh, boiling down. So it's really to the something. Pr- it's, I, it's the process for you. It seems like it's, a, yeah. it's the process that needs to be, there needs to be some integrity. There needs to be some thought behind it. Something interesting about that. What, when I applied to architecture school, I, I didn't have any like art studio courses in my undergrad. Um, 
you know, I, I studied literature and uh, a little bit of architectural history and whatnot as a liberal arts major, but I didn't have like any practicing art courses that were offered in my in my university. Um, okay. And when I was reading online, like, how do you apply to architecture school? They're like, because you need to put a portfolio together, right? You need to yeah, submit yeah. something. And, and it doesn't have to be like drawings of buildings or anything, but it's like a, um, a portfolio. Like show us something that you, it could be music, it could be whatever. It's some kind of creative thing that allows someone to believe that there's some potential you have for art. Uh, or for, for architecture, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> architecture and art are not the same thing. Um, <laughs> but uh, one of the things they emphasize is do not show only finished work like don't show just the end result show your process yeah because your process is what is important to understand right mm -hmm. and show like so if you have a like an oil painting like if you can show like the the rough sketch and then the color studies and then the you know like how this thing evolved like that's much more important and interesting especially for someone evaluating your future potential totally. um to understand how your process goes into it and and i've i've had literally this argument on twitter like someone's like i don't like how, the other part of this i don't like how they look someone people often say i can make that in photoshop in 10 seconds and i've never used <laughs> this reply right? what well, well 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 they can make that that one unsig in photoshop but, but in 10 seconds <clears throat> I, I was more uh saying like that there's a lot of great, there's a lot of detail in 10 seconds. Yeah, like, yeah. come on. And, and I mean, but, but so, some of the simpler unsigs, they can, right? Like, like yeah, these no yeah, liners or whatever kind of thing. Yeah, right? yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Totally, and totally. I can, what, what I should say, I've never said this, um, is that like, yeah, but like you can't make 31,119 of them in Photoshop. Like you can't, <laughs> I, like it's, and it's not about this one unsig. The, the unsigs are about like the arrangement and the comp, like the entire collection, right? Yes. And, and again, it's a study of color and all the ways that you like, if, if we were to do the, the, the tonal equivalent, like give me all the notes. Now arrange all the notes in all the ways possible in all the sequence. And like if you can take any four notes, put them in a, you know, in this order. And now, now we're going to filter out all those combinations by notes that are the same note in an, you know, one after another, that doesn't fly. You know, yeah. like you, you, you can't repeat a note in a, in an unsig. That's, that's one rule, right? Like, okay. The, yeah, yeah, there, there's totally. a bunch of rules like this, right? And then you filter it down and you're left with the set of notes, the set of ways you can com combine four notes. Yeah, that's basically what I did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah and yeah. Uh, that's kind of what happened. And so I'd say like, yeah, even if you could recreate it in Photoshop and things like, it's not about any one unsig. It's about yeah. showing all the ways these colors and these kind of parameters can be combined, right? So like, it doesn't really matter whether or not you can or can't create one unsig in 10 seconds in Photoshop. Definitely. No. And what you just said, that's the process. That's like the, mm -hmm. that's the art of it. Yeah. But mo most people don't get that. There, I, yeah. I, or a lot of people don't get that. But this is what's what's interesting. Like, I think so, I kind of matured a little bit. I don't really tangle get down in the weeds with these people anymore because, like, mm -hmm. I don't really care what you think. Like, I hate to say it, but like, I got mine. You know, like I'm good, right? And like, it, it, it takes more out of me like arguing with these idiots online uh, yeah. than to try to like because because it is it's like I, conceptual art is not for everybody no it's clearly not but that's the thing that kind of like mystifies me about these people too who say it like like i said earlier Mark on, like, could do that. And I'm, 
<laughs> I mean, and I'm not blowing smoke up your ass, but some of these unsigs are really like if you were just to look at it aesthetically speaking, they're mm-hmm. really beautiful. You could stare mm-hmm. at them for a while, uh, you know, depending like whatever preference. And but I mean, so many I think it's a lack of curiosity. I think you know, yeah, and that, that's yeah. like the, that, that's the biggest insult I can give to someone is like you're not a curious individual. Like yeah. you've never looked at anything in your life and wondered why is that. Like, yeah. what a dumb fucking yeah. person. What a boring fucking person you are. And get what the fuck out of my life. Like, I don't care about you. You're worthless. You're like a rock. Like, you have no ability to observe and to introspect. And you might as well not be alive. Like, like for all intents and purposes, you're not. Because, like, you know, like, we are the universe perceiving itself, right? Like, we're all yes. made of stardust and, and blah, 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 blah. And, like, if you can't observe something and if you can't, like, wonder, then, like... I won't even say you're like a child. Like you're not even, a, yeah. a, that's like insulting to children. Children, yeah. children, you know, have this kind of wonder and awe about them because for, for them, every experience is a new experience. Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. they don't have a set of rules to fall back on and like this is that and this is what I do here. So that's why everything is so amazing to them, right? And like that's, yeah. that's like one of the, the beauties of childhood and, and, and this kind of wonder. Kind of, like my first time experiencing a nonlinear narrative. Like how do I understand this <laughs> be like... thing, right? Like it doesn't make sense. Yeah, right? yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, but, yeah. yeah, no, it's no, I totally agree. I, I would, you got to start that podcast that uh, or whatever roast show because I think it'd be hilarious. <laughs> I think you'd be spot on with it. And I, I think uh, here's here's what I think I would do for that is is um, it's fun to just like shit on people, of course, right? But I <laughs> think those it would who be deserve it. But yeah, 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 especially and and most of them do. They deserve like hot steaming. Or hot uh, Cleveland steamers on her chest. Oh yes, um, yes, tenacious dig. Uh, <laughs> the uh, in architecture school, we are very direct and honest with people, and we give them feedback. But it's honestly with the intent, which I don't think a lot of these people deserve, of helping you improve and get yeah. better. Right? Mm-hmm. Like we don't just shit on people for the sake of. It's probably the same in in like a what is a you've seen Whiplash. I have, yeah. Oh, great right? movie. Like, great, great movie. The, the point of shitting on people is not to shit on people, but like... For sure. You, oh, that, that dude was abusive as hell, but yeah. <laughs> but I, 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 I agree. Like, great art takes pain and like takes, you know, like... Um, and what, what they were trying to do, like, I, 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 it's, it's worth it. If you're... If you're, if you're dead... Like, you, you can't do what that guy did, the, the bald guy, the teacher, right? To like your average audience person. Right, like no, that, no. Th- or your average kind of random drummer in high school, right? Yeah. But people who are at the peak of their kind of f- discipline or field, and and are driven enough and can do, like, yes, you can, you can extra. This it's kind of like the the Holocaust or the atom bomb story. Like, you can ex- mm-hmm. not that him yelling at the drummer is like comparable <laughs> in experience or like of tragedy, course, right? Course. But you can yes. push people to their limits and like extract greatness out of them. Um, in doing so, right, and it's and, and it's in some worth ways, it. If you're not if you're not doing that as a teacher in that situation, you're kind of not doing your job, honestly. Yeah, you're when d- that person needs that. Yeah, well, if they need that, and you know, like, you know, I think in that story, if I recall, like the previous pupil killed themselves, right, because like they were like pushed over the limit or whatever kind of thing, and and like I personally think great art is worth dying for. Um, I don't want to be the one that dies because, of course, there's some kind of self-preservation <laughs> and, and other stuff going on. But I yeah. do, like, if I have to choose, like, human life is pretty, 
pretty quantiful. Like uh, there's lots of it. There's you know, there sure is. And, there sure and is. And yeah. all of us are gonna die someday. And so if if some people in the in the path of pursuing the great art, like the you know, great art lives for not eternity, but for a long time, right? right? And, and it outlives Definitely. us. And I think that is that is basically uh, what, what is it? the point is not to live forever, but to make something that does, right? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Something like that. And uh, definitely, I, I in in one sense, you know, my my, my wife's father passed away uh, when she was like twenty one or so. And I I kind of, one of the things I I kind of tried to console people close to me with who are struggling with like a loved one dying, like. I really don't believe in time as yeah. maybe it goes back to my linear narrative childhood thing. Like I think time, what's the saying? Time is our inability to perceive everything at once. And mm-hmm. so, you know, like as an architect, we, people often think like you deal with three dimensions. Architecture is actually about four dimensions. Like there's a seat because, because humans experience a space in time. It's called space time, right? So like if you go to a cafe in the morning, it's very different than if you go at lunch or if you go in the evening or if you go totally. in summer or if you go in winter, like the sun is in a different place, the angles of the light coming in, right? All this stuff like time is inherently bound up in space. And so, you know, like we as humans can manipulate the X, Y, and Z, Z dimensions of, of space, and we're, mm-hmm. we we have kind of mastery over. It. I don't. My my wife bought me a sausage egg McMuffin with cheese. I don't know why, nice. <laughs> but like I can I can pick that up. I can rotate it. I can transform it. You know, I can eat it. I can poop it out. Yeah. Whatever. Right. But I can't go back <laughs> in time. Right. Like I can't. I don't have freedom over that domain. But I kind of believe, yeah. um, the same way that I can think of and model and conceive of like I'm here in X and Y. Sorry, this is supposed to be like three dimensional <laughs> space, right? X, yes, Y, yes. Z kind of thing. Z. Like yep, there, yep. there's just another dimension of time, forward and backwards, and to someone or something outside of it, it's it's very simple. So her father is still with her. We're just not able to go back to that space, right? Yes. That time. I think this is something about it's interesting how science and technology blend. Like I think this is something that architects started to think about when like relativity came on the scene. Right. Mm-hmm. Because of Einstein's ideas of about, you know, how space time like that became a word. Right. Yes. That that, you know, gravity can actually bend time and light. And, yeah, and yeah. like if you were to go on a spaceship and travel at the speed of light and come back, you'd, you'd be, you know, younger than your twin kind of thing. Dark, like, yeah. Interstellar. The, yeah. These kind of. Yeah, exactly. These kind of things like started to become aware. And of course, like we're just starting as lay people starting to understand the implications of it like 100 years after like in, in the science world, that's old news, right? But for, for yeah. us, like it becomes a science fiction movie 120 years later, and then yeah. people start to understand, oh, that's what that, the implications of that are. Um, totally. But it's totally it's, it's interesting, it's, and it's um, just fascinating. Yeah, and so we should yell at people more, and we should let them sh- shake them out of their. I don't know. Like, I, I think a lot of it is just a reaction to modern society and how soft everything has become. And I don't want to be like mm-hmm. a Jordan Peterson kind of whatever thing, but it's it's kind of like you know, like I had a good childhood. I I remember in in in, uh, in New York in Westchester, like my my mom had just divorced my dad. We were living mm-hmm. in this tiny little house, and there was a river, a creek, like maybe like a ten minute walk from our house. I'd go there in the winter with my brother. I was, I was seven years old when they got divorced. Uh, so like mm-hmm. he was five and I was seven. We would go okay. by ourselves to a fucking creek that went underneath like a road. And we would walk for hours down in that creek. 
Like I can't imagine a five and a seven year old today being allowed <laughs> to play outside without adult supervision near a body of water. Like if we had fallen down and like smothered our face, we could have like got trapped under a, a like a root of this like trees, you know, and like we, we would have uh, drowned and died and they would have found our bodies or not found our bodies. Right. Like, um, but like, yeah, no, not I today. think, I think there's something about, and I think Scandinavian cultures still do this. Like you, you just let kids play and you let them with knives, you let them climb trees, you let them get hurt. And if you, I, I always would tell my dad when I was an angry teenager, like, you got to let me, like, screw up myself. You know, like, you, you can try to teach me something, but, like, some things have to be experienced. And yes. um, if you don't experience in them yourself, like, no amount of someone telling you this is wrong or whatever is going to no. let you... And, until you have enough set of experiences that you can start to learn about the wisdom of others... You know, mm -hmm. and, and, and like, yeah, I've made, uh, until you've learned that you've been wrong in the past enough that maybe you want to learn from other people's experiences so that you don't have to experience all that pain yourself. <laughs> uh, That's there. Yeah. Otherwise, it's yeah. just going to fall on deaf ears at a certain yeah. point. Yeah. I know everything, dad. You, so yeah. <laughs> I, I've had that exact same conversation with my dad too. It's, it's like uh, so much like love, but it's like, no, yeah. you're actually not helping me in the long run yeah, by yeah, enabling yeah. but yeah no i agree it's like society could use a lot more of that in, in a lot of ways I, it's we're at such an interesting crossroads i feel like just like i really i really like the COVID thing i feel like it's it's the great kanto earthquake of japan or world war ii like this is like so many things have been pushed forward um by this kind of crisis right of, of like reordering things in the way they are and as it relates to blockchains like I really don't, like, a lot of people are like, oh, regulations, like, how does it intersect with, like, the real world, right? I came to crypto to, like, because I hate the real world. I think, you know, like, um, growing up in America, uh, you know, things like the Supreme Court or Congress, like, all these institutions, they seem so important and so big. Mm -hmm. But, like, I'll tell you a funny story. My mom, when I was applying to architecture grad school, she wanted me, she was living in California, and she was like, you should apply to Stanford. I'm like, why? Uh, I, one, I, I know now. Stanford doesn't even have an architecture grad school, right? Like <laughs> they don't. <laughs> but I, I wanted to understand my mom. I'm like, what, 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 why? And she's like, it's so beautiful. I'm like, what do you mean? And I've been to the Stanford campus, and she's like, it's so old. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like this is so like quintessentially American. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. One, it's in America. <laughs> it can't be old. <laughs> Two, it's on the west coast of America, which is like, it's not old. It was the like the youngest it was, part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was made to look like, you know, designed in like gothic style to like look like it was hundreds of years old. But it's just like a pastiche. It's not like actually yeah. hundreds of years old. It's made in like 1840. It's maybe yeah. 150 years old at that. Like if you're lucky, probably more like later than that, right? And like there's nothing old about it. And, and so that, I mean... The beauty of American culture is like the naive optimism that because we're not weighted down by history, we, we believe that humans can improve and that we can tomorrow will be better than today. Whereas Europeans are surrounded by, you know, history and they, they yeah. understand consequence and that, that like we're on on a carousel and it just everything repeats itself. Right. Um, yeah. So th yeah. th there's advantages and disadvantages to both perspectives. But it was Definitely. just funny to me. Uh, and my, my point is, is that even in America... Like these things that have only been around for 200 years, like the Supreme Court, like we view them as like so, so old. 
so not 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 even so old, but like, well, like that's the way it has to be. Yeah, like it yeah, can't yeah. be any way else. But my mm-hmm, whole point mm-hmm. is like, I always try to explain to people like I think being Japanese American is very useful for my identity because like. Like, you know, like I'd be going to school and people say like, you're just mad because you lost World War Two, you know, or <laughs> like something like, yeah, the, people like, the, that? like yeah, yeah, in Utah, right? Like re, re, idiot people. <laughs> I'm like, I was born in Boston. I'm more American than you are, dumb fuck. You're like an inbred Mormon from Utah. Um, yeah, yeah. So, god. Oh, my God. Um, uh, you know, you know what we haven't got? We, we can both be Japs, right? I, I love that. that. That's like the collapsing <laughs> of a Jewish American Damn. princess or prince. Right? I'm a, like that, the you're my people. This conversation yeah, leads it's, to it's like coming that. Full circle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and I, I would often I like I often get called uh, a spick or like a chink, and I my 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 normal comeback would be like. Uh, if you want to use a racist term towards me, please call me a Jap. Like that's you know, like I'm not Mexican, I'm not Chinese. You know, like, like at least do it right. <laughs> at least use the right, you know, uh, uh, racial epithet. You know, you fucking dumb fuck. Oh my god, um, amazing. So, so what's that to say? But uh, so these things, institutions yeah. are not as mm-hmm. as permanent as and not as and and nation states too. That that's my thing. Like the idea of a nation state is a relatively new concept. You know, like uh, the state of Germany did not like exist until very, very late in the game. You mm-hmm. know, like the Weimar Republic and like like Germany. Like part of the reason this is very to, to, to like. Uh, do you know Bauhaus? Like the modern German school of design. No, no, no. no. So people often like why why is German shit so good? You know, like BMW or Mercedes. <laughs> like, like engineering and all that. Yeah, engineering yeah, yeah. And, and like design and why, why is it good? And uh, I kind of, one, one idea I learned in architecture school was like, uh, it's actually because of colonialism. Like, and British people had, you know, triangular trade mercantilism. They, they'd, you know, they'd take labor from Africa, they'd send it to America, uh, they'd extract natural resources in America they'd mm. send those natural resources back to the UK they'd make you know t-shirts cotton lumber whatever then send it back to the US right and they had a monopoly on selling shitty products to americans and they fought yeah. wars with the french you know the french english war or whatever was about like the monopoly that the UK had over selling you know shitty shit in america <laughs> yeah. right and so americans have kind of been conditioned to buy shittily produced goods like export great, like shitty stuff, right? That, and that so, tracks with with this modern age, <laughs> with Walmart and China, and you know, like oh, the, yeah. the, the 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 level of uh, we we call like design literacy in America is very low. Mm-hmm. Like people, yeah. we talk about literacy of like reading design. Like most people can't tell like a good design object from a, a bad design object. I my yeah. first job in America, I was you know um, in a room with like the C suites of all these people of the the company which is like a it was a subsidiary of the coke industries thing and uh okay. they had they had um everyone in that room must have been earning like three hundred thousand or more dollars right and they, they this I, I remember eavesdropping i eavesdrop on people this big executive was like you know like work americans like uh you know like yeah we can buy like a hundred dollar steak but take me to mcdonald's you know like i'll i'll <laughs> have a burger you know it's just this good kind of thing like not not yeah. to say that expensive things are better but like if you can't differentiate in quality and nutritional value and also just taste between a mcdonald's burger and a and a you know like a uh, some kind like of decent one. restaurant yeah <laughs> not even like a yeah. fancy restaurant but just like decent yeah, food yeah. right then like 
You're yeah. kind of an idiot. It's littered and, around. It's that's, that's so much of this country is, is like so. <laughs> so what, like. To, to bring it back to colonialism, what they yes. said is yes, Germany. Yes. Didn't become a nation state until like the late 1800s or 1900s. Like it was a bunch of prince, princely republics, like a bunch of principalities, and Italy too, to a certain extent, right? Um, yeah. And so they didn't have colonial empires because they didn't coalesce into a country or a nation early enough to to like go outside of their sphere of influence and go like dominate some other people. And the interesting intersection of that is that Germany, as a result, didn't have any monopolies in the new world for like mm. markets they could sell shitty product products to. And so Germans had to create industries where they would produce products that produce things that people wanted to buy. And they had to seek out <laughs> like actually like, like I want that damn that's like high quality. That's a good, good thing. And I want that. And it was like, it wasn't because they're like, it was an economic necessity because like you had to like go through, you had to jump through hoops to not get the British shit that was dumped on your plate in America. Right. Totally, like you yeah. had to seek out these things. And so it's interesting to think of like good design as a consequence of like colonialist empires. But this wow, idea, so like I never, I never yeah. thought of that connection at all. Yeah. Right. I, I didn't either. But you, you look, if you Google like Bauhaus, B-A-U-H-A-U-S, like it's like this mm -hmm. like modern school, like one of the first design schools in the world. Um, and talking about like a lot of the stuff I talk about, about like glass, steel and concrete and some of the other mm -hmm. lectures. Right. Like it is a yeah. response to like, how do you do this stuff? But also, I think the economic reality that Germans couldn't sell stuff to other people, you know, without if you have to pay all these tariffs and stuff like to buy the stuff you can't compete at the low end of the market right yeah. like so you got to figure something so else you got to figure out like something that is why would someone want why would someone pay for this and so you you go for quality and and it's interesting that in the long run like you could say that has had a very um protective or good result for the german economy because everyone can race to the bottom as quickly as possible but it's very hard to produce a economy in a country which is able to produce quality and so totally. it's just kind of interesting yeah, and no, Japan the same and result. Also, it, no. And with cultures like that versus, you know, cultures like, for instance, the U.S., which used to importing and so on, it's the, um, what's the word, the reinforcement aspect of, like, yeah, what you're used to. Loop, right? Exactly, yeah. It's so it's so pertinent to that whole thing, which then makes sense why people would recognize quality and versus us just being like, ooh, the burger looks great, even though it's, like, been in yeah, the freezer. Yeah, or, or I mean, I always just talk about Walmart, right? Like, yeah, like, yeah. like again, my, my, example of that. my parents are buying, like, it's just, like, plastic shit that's going to break down. Uh, I have I have a... I have the same joke with two different punchlines. What's the difference between a rich man and a poor man? What uh, is it? A, a rich man has money, right? Like, there, there, there is no difference, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> that, that's the first punchline, right? And then you can okay. say again, what, what's the difference? Like, the difference between a rich man and a poor man is like, a rich man will buy a $100 pair of shoes once every 10 years, and a poor man will buy a $10 pair of shoes every year for 10 years. Yeah, the, absolutely. You know, if you if you think about that, like the difference is, is that the the time value of money and the access to capital, they both spend a hundred dollars over ten years, but the mm -hmm. rich guy is not like eking it out for survival. He has a hundred dollars he can put now today and enjoy like a good pair of leather shoes for ten years, and the other guy is buying like a pair of like you know uh, trainers at Walmart that fall apart every year. 
and you know he's in, in the, uh, pretend there's no inflation or whatever right? he spent the same amount of money <laughs> over 10 years but he yeah. has not enjoyed you know the quality of experience that the rich guy has of course it, it's just an example right it doesn't but no I, but I, I and the point the point makes sense though for sure yeah and so i mean i, I always start with the first punchline because like like there's no, I don't really, I didn't used to, and I, I think still now, like I don't really subscribe to the idea that like rich people are better than poor people, right? Like they, they it's just, you know, circumstance it's, or, I mean, or access. Yeah. And so many things in this day thing. and age for sure. Right. Definitely. But um, then, you know, uh, it, there, there is this nice thing about, you know, uh, I, I try to buy or, or try to, try to limit my my, my my materialistic tendency is to buy things that last you know mm-hmm. and to to you know i i'm very marie kondo like if this doesn't bring <laughs> yeah, me yeah. joy <laughs> like get rid of it kind of thing Bye-bye. i don't need yeah, this in yeah. my life you know and it's it's, it's a very such a good way to freeing. go about it though yeah. honestly yeah i yeah. mean let's like i'm moving soon and i, I i've been trying to be i love moving us, i like, love moving because like it's like it's this it's editing process you just say i don't need this like why my dad, he moved from like New Japan to New York to Hong Kong back to Japan, and he brought oh, wow. like the same shitty like <laughs> dining table and like couch that was torn up by his cats. Like from because I guess yeah. his company was paying for him to move. I'm like, why did you ship this shit all around the world? <laughs> like it's been it's like, like what was fucking, the point? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just get rid. of It's like this shitty IKEA couch. It's like made of like laminated sawdust, you know, glued together. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> it's just like oh. It's like you could buy that in whatever country you're in. It's yeah, okay. yeah, it just didn't make any sense. The carbon footprint and stuff we don't yeah, think about yeah. or we didn't think about. Yeah. Definitely. Good time. Um, before, before I let you go, um, mm-hmm. I just want to ask you about uh, the future of, I guess, I guess you, mm-hmm. can, you can answer it however you want, but yep. whether it's just the Cardano ecosystem in general, I think like definitely have a good idea of like how you see UnSigs as like its own entity itself. But maybe that's also not a bad place to talk mm-hmm. about the the DAO the, the, mm-hmm. um, that exists as well, because I found that very interesting. I, I was curious about it's, that too. It's, yeah, so it's it's interesting to me too, because like a lot of people nowadays in the NFT space will be like, where's the roadmap? What's the this? What's the that? And, uh, you know, and I, I've, yeah. I've expressed what I think about roadmaps that like roadmaps should be something internal as a dialogue. If you have one, they change a lot. You shouldn't share them publicly because then they just become like marketing tools to like drive hype and FOMO. And like, it's just, sure. it, to me, they look like scams because I've worked in R&D and I know roadmaps are a snapshot. Like yeah. roadmaps change constantly, you know, it's, yeah. it's just like your best guess of what the thing is. And if people publish a roadmap and kind of commit to one, it really is a sign that they don't know what they're doing because I would never publish a roadmap. Like that wasn't like next week or next month. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's also weird because I have talked about Unsigs as a project. And I get now, like, maybe that wording wasn't the best because, like, what I mean by a project from like, it's like a creative practice or kind of a, it's something that I was working on. Right. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think there are, in ways, it's incomplete because there are utilities and tools and things around the, the body of work that I made that make owning an Unsig easier. Right, like mm-hmm. this bot in the Discord channel that, that can show you all the layers of your unsig, you know, uh, separated or matches on marketplaces. And but mm-hmm. but I want to make clear, like unsigs as a, like a, as an artistic collection are done. Like I did it right. Like and it's there's not going to be a sequel. 
You know, yes. I've I've also mistakenly I need to be tighter in my my uh, use of language. I'm called about like version two, which I'm giving away to people who hold an unsig, right? But that is not a version two. And I've always said like this is a bad software development tendency to call like the next thing version two, right? Kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, it'll be under a different policy ID. It'll be under well, different right? policy ID. It'll be under. It'll have a different name. It's exploring a different kind of. Um, set of things it is it is still exploration of like on-chain art medium right like saying yes if the blockchain is the medium what is this so it's another go at that but it's it's kind of like that joke i just told you know same joke different punchlines. It's like it's going to be a different <laughs> thing there will be some kind of echo between them that resonates you'll probably be able to see my fingerprint in it in terms of like oh yeah that the, the same process that produced unsigs is now being applied in a different direction and this is the result if you if you take a different set of constraints right Yes, absolutely. Um, that was what we were talking I get, about. What, 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 when I say the future of Unsigs, I mm -hmm. don't mean necessarily like what you do, because as yeah, you, know, yeah, you yeah. made it very clear that like, but just as far as like what, what it's placed, like I've seen tweets where they say like, you know, each Unsig will be at the center of its own economy, like kind of thing. Or like, and I'm not even talking necessarily about a monetary yeah. thing, but I mean yeah, that yeah. more as far as like the scope or the breadth of what the, what it, it'll become. I think it's very exciting. I think there's a very dedicated group of people who like them and I could see it being like um, a major thing. And I think, I think it has, you know, like it's, it's, it's difficult. What do they say? Like newspapers are like the first pass of history. Right. And and history is written by the victors and all this kind of stuff. And yeah. I, I used to think about the difference in like a daily newspaper versus I used to have when I was in the States, I was such a loser in high school. I had a subscription to Time and Newsweek. And it was very like, wh what is what is the point of this weekly periodical? And then I also had like, you know, a popular science or like other monthly reviews. Like I was just a publisher clearinghouse idiot, right? If you remember that, that kind of thing. And, uh, but oh, like, yeah, I do remember those. Yeah. <laughs> daily, <laughs> weekly versus monthly news cycles, right? Um, mm -hmm. And what I'm, what I'm trying to say there is like, we're still so close to Unsigs being released. It's hard yeah. to have any kind of historical perspective to it. But I do yeah, think there's a, there's a, I would say there's a plausible chance that this is like actually a significant project in like the history of Cardano and potentially the, the history of NFTs. Because when I, when I look at it, like it kind of blows my mind on some of these analytics sites, like the market cap of Unsigs is something like 30 million ADA, which is like 60 Damn. million. Like it's, it's, it's because like there's so many Unsigs. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's 31,000 unsigs, like people obsessively look at the floor prices of these projects, right? But yeah, of course. Not all projects have the same size of collection. Some of them are less than 10,000. Some of them are more than 10,000. And so mm -hmm. I do think some of these ways of analyzing uh, coins you know, and market caps <laughs> are, are a kind of a useful thing to think about. Because like, mm -hmm. it's hard to imagine something that has so much value and investment being put in it deflating completely. Yeah. You know, yeah. I do think we're in an NFT bubble. I do think all projects are kind of like overvalued or, or, mm -hmm. or you know, uniformly. Thing. It's the same thing when Bitcoin goes up, right? Like all these shit projects like Ripple and Shiba and everything, they all go up together. But the bear oh, market you just is put, actually... You just put Ripple with Shiba? <laughs> yeah, I fucking hate Ripple, man. Ripple is like <laughs> Ripple and Binance Coin and all these like centralized projects that... I'm sorry if you yeah, have any yeah. Ripple bags, Alan. <laughs> no, uh, no, we'll no, talk I, later. I, 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 just, <laughs> I just respect Ripple 
for what it's trying to do, not to be a decentralized, like, uh-huh. you know, I, no, I just think like, it's useless. I fucking hate it, man. <laughs> I, 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 I can say that. Because, like, Conversation r- for another time. R- Ripple is like the original, like, poser coin, right? Like, like I get what you're saying. Like, replace except, Swift except, is a shitty it, thing. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, exactly. Except, like, literally, like, they wouldn't be in the court case right now if it weren't for the fact that they could totally take down the entire banking, like global industry, basically because of their I technology. Mean, b- banking no. sucks. I just, I just don't think like, yeah. um, I don't think there's a like. I would rather build a new system than edit the banking system and have it adopt, you know, blockchain totally. based, totally uh, transactional layer kind of things. Like, I just, it's so funny. I, I'm applying for a visa right now, and the, this mm-hmm. immigration lady wants me to get a bank to certify my crypto holdings. I'm like, you don't understand. Like, I am the bank. Like I am the one who knocks. Like, you know, like, <laughs> yes. um, and uh, yeah, it's it's fun. Uh, so so I, I I my dad was an investment banker, right? He worked for Goldman. Mm-hmm. He worked for uh, Merrill Lynch. He was part of the the Jewish banking cabal <laughs> around the world. <laughs> and, uh, I just I uh, I. Uh, I want to move beyond that. I don't like yeah. when I when I was an undergrad. So many people. I, I used to love investment banking because I thought as an industry they got all the douches and losers who didn't have any vision of what they wanted to do with their life. Like everyone just went into that industry. And now, like I'm kind of offended because like tech bros, like like so many people are going into tech now because like yeah. it's kind of like eclipse finance is like the thing to do. You know, like. To me, it was so useful as like, uh, this is horrible, as like a yellow star to put on these people that I didn't want to talk to, you know, of like, <laughs> you're an investment banker? Okay, I don't need to, you know, uh, waste my time with you, right? Like, I'll be polite totally, or whatever, totally. but like, you know, I went into IB, I was, you know, I got a consulting, whatever, you know, like, and, and it was just yeah, like yeah. that. Um, and no, now, I, now, just, that, just to be very, know. just to be really clear about the XRP thing, I, like, I, no way trying to call it like a cardano or anything like that like there's no doubt that cardano's scope is completely Mm -hmm. different all i'm saying it's not a shiba (laughs) it's not a shiba yeah (laughs) yeah, it's it's not a steaming pile of shit on the sidewalk exactly exactly it's inside of a a bank there there was some thought process that went into it at least Mm -hmm. it wasn't just like oh there's a cool dog that somebody else made a coin out of too so let's go ahead and do that because i was on i was on crypto the cryptocurrency subreddit and they're like why are there not more cat coins (laughs) Like, this is seriously a conversation. Those like, are the right questions to be asking. Yeah, right yeah, yeah. Right. Like, what is the the Curiosity. animal of the meme that we uh, we should make? So, um, so so oh the future of unsigs. I think there's a lot yes. of stuff going on. I think there's a lot of utility. You know that like the the smart contract marketplace that's being worked on, um, mm-hmm. and ways to make like unsig ownership. Um, easier educating people about the nuances of the project right i i i I enjoy doing these things like these interviews or whatever but i Mm -hmm. i'm not an educator right and there are other people who are better at educating and i think you know one, one of the things that i think i failed in the project is i really hoped people would fork the unsig code base and make new projects that were um either using the same set of parameters with a different zero 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 Right, like it, okay. you know, and you could totally interpret those same parameters in a totally different way, or or the would, same. Would that function. be would just? Would that be uh, the equivalent of kind of bringing back some of the ones that you took out of the fifty million? I, even more so, I'd say like 
like the way the unsigs work, there's a set of parameters in each unsig, right? And they, they're passed through the function in the zero, 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 right? Mm -hmm. What you're talking about would be, there are a bunch of parameters that got cold and didn't get minted and they could be passed through the zero, zero and they'd produce different results. But what I'm talking about is like, um, if you had the same properties, but like the same set of raw materials, but you passed it through a different factory, a different result could could be made. Mm, like it's okay, not a okay. Honda, it's a motorboat, right? <laughs> or something like that, right? Like yeah, 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 uh, something like that. I don't know what it is, but that, you, that you makes could sense. do so that, the process, right? The process itself and how yeah, the code is could be totally is different, different, right? Gotcha, and gotcha. and that, that's one thing. Or, or, you know, just using it as like a template and a model to do stuff with. And so, so there's mm -hmm. a lot of these like unsig remixes, you know, I think that at last yes, count there were like over 20 of them. Um, but as far as I'm aware, they all kind of interact with the unsig's output of like the two-dimensional image. And they're playing with it in Photoshop or GIMP or some two-dimensional image tool and they're editing it that way. And in some ways I've failed, right? Like I hope there would be a conversation around the on-chain or the code aspects of the thing and people mm -hmm. starting to remix the code, right? Mm. To produce, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, these different outputs, but in a different way. And, and that's really what, I, what I'm still, you know, in my, in my, in my darkest closet inside, like <laughs> what I'm hoping might happen in the future, right? And so yeah. uh, if you know these Gimbal Lab guys, like I'm trying to use some of the DAO funds or vote on the DAO funds being used to like, educate people on uh, some p Python. Like one thing I've always said is like the code in unsigs is very simple, you know, and I, I actually, mm -hmm. that's a testament to my skills. Uh, people confuse like simplicity for like um, ineptness, but it's like, mm -hmm. I'm very proud of the, like uh, the fact that I, I had I have this thing, which is, you know, I think beautiful and complex and rich. And I, mm -hmm. I edited it down intentionally to the most minimal set, minimal and terse set of things that allow that to be created. Like that takes some kind of, not genius, but you know, like a uh, uh, work and, and S -craft skill, craftsmanship. right? Yeah. You know, anyone can like throw a hodgepodge of things together and produce, you know, something complex or whatever. What, what's, what, to me, what's beautiful is producing the myriad kind of things that exist in the universe from a very simple set of constraints and rules and, you know, like, um, yes. I think it's Euler's identity. It's got like uh, natural log of E and pi and one and zero and like all these kind of beautiful things in mathematics in one single equation, right? It's like, how, yeah. do all, how does all that stuff relate to each other? How does it reduce down to these very simple things? And um, yeah, yeah, that's kind of what unsigs are about. I'll throw this quote in that you retweeted as well recently. That which is truly beautiful is often simple and sparing. Yes. So. And why the fuck did I talk for three hours then? <laughs> I'm so not beautiful. And why do I call no, I just talk to for dig three? into all of it. Yeah. And um, and just closing out the mm. Cardano itself. What I know you said, like you know, we we would assume it'll be around for decades at least. Yeah. But, get hyped! Um, get hyped! I mean, I, I, I'm so moon, excited. Moon boy. Smart contracts. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I often. I, it's really weird the lessons the NFT space has taught me and us about um, blockchains. Like, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I could mint and sell NFTs for less than they cost to mint on Ethereum, right? Yeah. yeah. So, like, that, that, that's the, even if I had given them away on Ethereum, 
it would have cost people more. It cost. <laughs> That's right? insane. It's totally insane. You know, uh, then then me minting them and and selling them on Cardano, right? And so yeah. what's what's so exciting for me about that is uh, now that smart contracts are live on Cardano, you think about things like DeFi or insurance or these different things. Like it costs two to three hundred bucks to do anything on Ethereum, and that yeah. means. That this gets back to your your thing about my experience. Like one of the ideas that I really wanted to work on was this kind of like DeFi insurance idea for for the developing world, um, mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. the idea is uh, I don't know if you've heard this story before. I my my best friend in India, um, he's like a, a genius AI guy, whatever. But he comes from a small village in Andhra Pradesh, which is a southeastern okay. uh, area of India, kind of. Um, close to Tamil Nadu, a little bit north of there. But um, he's from a farming family, and his father uh, killed himself when when my friend was like 12 or something like that um, because they were farmers, and there was no rain for a couple years, and the family ran out of money, and he became an alcoholic and blah, 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 blah. And, uh, like, it's very privileged, like, like, you know, like, if it doesn't rain for you and I, you know, like, oh, it's less wet. It'll be okay. <laughs> right? I'll be, like, I'll be like, damn, I missed but, the rain. Yeah, we're so isolated. Or like even like happy. Like, oh, God, I haven't had to wear a raincoat in a long time, right? But for yeah. a whole swath of the people in the world, like no rain means death, right? Or, yeah. uh, you know, economic ruin such that you decide it's better to off yourself, right? And, yeah. and what, what, I, what I'm excited by um, is this idea that, you know, we could offer uh, rainfall insurance to farmers in this area or in any place, mm-hmm. right? Where uh, currently, I think people, insurance companies can't do that because it's too costly to send someone out there to sign them up to like, you know, there's a, a, a premium that has to be paid to collect that premium to, yeah. to see like, did it actually not rain in your area? You know, all this kind <laughs> yeah. of stuff that yeah, yeah. It, you cannot sell them insurance at a cost or, or that, you know, it costs you too much to write that contract and to do all the legwork and the back office thing that you can't deliver it at a value that is, you know, like they're probably seeking like a thousand US dollars of coverage and it costs you $300 to, you know, to, to write a policy, right? Because of all the office yeah. work and everything like that. So it doesn't make sense. So it's, all, it's, all, it's all the middleman. Yeah. That, that and and the same and and even though Ethereum doesn't have that, if it costs two hundred dollars in gas fees, it also doesn't make sense because I can't pay, you know, two hundred dollars in fees for a thousand dollars of insurance, but I can probably pay thirty cents in fees, and then the actual cost of the risk of doing that. Um, and so, mm-hmm. you know, my my idea, at least initially, is to offer earthquake insurance because earthquakes mm-hmm. are. Um, much simpler to model in terms of data. Like they have an epicenter, okay. they have a magnitude. And what I imagine is like you would write smart. a smart contract that says, uh, this is my latitude longitude. If mm-hmm. an earthquake greater than magnitude X, you know, I can adjust this, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, you know, whatever yeah, yeah. happens within 10, 25, 50, 100 kilometers of, you know, you can choose these things. And based on the probabilistic risk of that thing happening, someone else, uh, can say, I'll take that bet. You know, I'll pay you, um, you know, $100,000 or half a million dollars if this thing happens within this radius f- from this time until this time, right? That's like a very easy yeah. kind of a contract to write. And the nice thing about earthquakes, if we, if we can say that, is uh, 
the larger an earthquake is, the more people can verify that it happened in terms of like mm -hmm. these earthquake detection networks. So, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. if I want to underwrite an 8.0 earthquake, I'll say like the Japanese Meteorological Agency, the, the European and the, Sorry, the NASA one. cats on cats. the thing. <laughs> <laughs> All of these agencies have to agree that this happened, right? And we subscribe to multiple yeah. oracles, multiple data feeds and this kind of thing. Yeah. Like, uh, whereas, That's you know, genius, yeah. Rainfall is a much more, uh, of course, there's satellite data and this kind of thing, but it's a lot messier, right? Like, did yeah, it a rain lot more amorphous. Here? It's not it, like it, the things you were saying to delineate between. Yeah. It, it sounds like things that would go very easily into, into earthquakes is different yeah. than than a rain. So I I often talk about part of the genius of Elon Musk. I think is if you're familiar with uh, the Tesla development story, the first Tesla was this Roadster. Which was okay. actually, do you know Lotus, the British race car company, or mm -hmm. sport? Like they make cars. like Mazda Miatas, right? Kind of thing. Or <laughs> do they really? They Damn. they make the I'll... British version of a Mazda Miata, yes. right? Or, yes. or they make a really, really nicer one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. The that's that's totally backwards. I offended everyone. The Mazda Miata <laughs> is like aping the the heritage of the British small sports car, right? There you go. Uh, there you go. To, yeah, to, exactly. to take a totally last tangent, uh, I I used to get really offended in my Chinese philosophy course when the American exchange students would be like, whoa, that's just like the Matrix. And I'd be like, no. Like, no, it's not. <laughs> the Matrix is like Chinese, you know, Taoist yeah. philosophy. You cannot have something come 4,000 years later be, you know, and say the thing that came 4,000 years before is like that thing. Um, so, yes, the, the Miata is a, so if you know the Lotus, you know the Lotus. So what they did, yes. what, what, uh, what Tesla, I think it was even before Elon did, was like, they mm -hmm. were buying gliders of basically Lotus Elon, Elites or Elons, I forget, the little sports car, without engines in them. And they put DC motors and batteries in them. And okay. the idea was like, it's a simpler thing to make to just electrify a chassis and a suspension than to engineer an entire car. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that that car also is it's a low volume, high, high margin product. So, yeah. you know, you don't have to make tens or hundreds of thousands of them. And then the next thing was to make the S class. Right. The, the luxury top of the end, because you don't need to sell as many luxury cars as you do econo boxes to, to have, you know, some decent um, total revenues. Right. And it's only after the SUVs and then the, they get to the three. The, the goal of the company is like electrification of the transportation market. Right. Because it will save CO2 emissions. But yes. you can't start with the three. Right. You had to start with this mm. this this initial roadster, which was just batteries and DC motors of an in another person's car. And then you, you, you work your way to the, the, to the mass market. And so what I'm saying with the goal is to make like rainfall insurance for farmers. But mm -hmm. my version of the, the, the roadster is earthquakes because it's a simpler thing to model and to, to, to try to add value for. And it's kind of like, again, like the, the genius of a good entrepreneur is to figure out not just like we should have AI based whatever, right? Like I've worked with a lot of C-suite executives who tried to like AI-ify their industry. And okay. it's, 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 it's very dumb, I think, like to, to try to sell technologies to industries and say like, this thing will change your industry, right? Like, and it's a very a boring statement to make. Like the, 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 the interesting thing is not like AI for dogs or for cat food or whatever, right? But it's like, um, how, what is the largest step you can take from where we are today in the direction of mm -hmm. AI for dog, like that is a deliverable thing that you can actually provide value for. 
And so what I'm saying is like earthquakes is maybe the first thing and then maybe something else and then maybe rainfall with the goal of producing a sustainable kind of Maybe the, the, the closing thing, you know, if you, uh, one of the things I learned in, in architecture school is this like complex mm-hmm. system design. It was very interesting is that uh, the first time NASA tried to design a spacesuit, they hired a bunch of guys from like Dow Chemical or whoever, smart material scientists in the 50s and 60s to come in, and, like come up with a textile that could handle the rigors of space. And they tried mm-hmm. to put mm-hmm. all of this, you know, what do you have, like pressure differential for vacuum. Uh, temperature, moisture. They tried to solve all of this in a, like a single membrane, right? Um, and they gave up eventually, and they started using like duct tape and like let's just. The, the the genius thing is like, oh, we can't put all these functions into a single layer. We need to, and that's why spacesuits for spacewalks are these bulky giant <laughs> things nowadays. Like, we need to have a vapor barrier. We need to have an insulation barrier. We need to have a heat rejection layer. We need to have a, because, you know, we go from the cold to space to suddenly being fully exposed, exposed to the sun, right? Like all these different mm-hmm. things need, like, and it's so much easier in, in the design to have, uh, it's one of the Unix design principles is like do one thing well. Right, like mm. I'm gonna do this. I'm not gonna worry about other stuff. And and it's it's a lot. Every time you try to, it's great when you can have more than one functionality in a single thing. Yeah. Because it it like reduces the complexity of the whole interactions of the system. But it's yeah. It's very difficult to engineer multiple functionalities into a single layer. And so one of the good things about Cardano is, you know, the the kind of separation of of these layers as we were talking about like uh uh eu eutxos and like yes it was easier for me to make an nft as someone who understands programming but doesn't understand uh i'm not like a professionally trained computer scientist right like nfts on cardano were so much simpler to understand than nfts on ethereum because it's just data Mm. like we were talking about it's just inert text stored it's so funny how the narrative is so opposite on their Mm -hmm. end how they're like how do you even do this like haskell or plutus oh my god like and hearing you say that it's just so funny hearing like it it sounds like they're just they were born and bred in one way and then they just don't want to think about it from a different yeah, perspective. I mean, it's, it's, it's very bizarre. I had some people reach out to me to, to mint on Ethereum, you know, to do some kind of collabs and I usually, I don't do collabs because like I can't just turn on creativity to like figure out how an unsig matches a dog or something like that, right? Like, uh, that's not like what I'm about. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I, I've solved that in different ways by allowing people to do whatever they want with unsigs and so yeah, like, like, like the release. flower... Like was it the mouse or whatever it was the uh, the flower one where somebody overlaid a flower on top of an unsig? Oh yeah, the boss muse. So so what I always say boss there muse, are yes. no un, there are no collabs. There are only people using unsigs, right? Like yeah. everyone has the creative license. Because the other part of my question or answer to the question, why would you buy a receipt to something? Like you should have some rights that are, are go along with that ownership, right? Otherwise, mm-hmm, it's just mm-hmm. like ownership. And so the logical thing, it's not like that. I'm generous, like. I needed to imbue some kind of power or properties with the ownership of the NFT. Otherwise, why, mm-hmm. what's the point of buying it? And so, you know, yeah. I say on the Unsig site, if you go to unsigs.com slash terms, like you mm-hmm. as the owner of an Unsig have like a free, exclusive, free worldwide license to do whatever you want to do with it up to and yeah. including like commercial merchandise, which like I hate flip flops. I hate Chinese. <laughs> I don't hate Chinese. I hate cheaply produced mass manufactured <laughs> plastic shit 
I have a lot of good <laughs> Chinese friends I like, and I think Chinese people are very clever to exploit the tendencies of the 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 mass, you know, American market to to, no to sell them this crap, right? Um, They've done a great but, job with it for sure. But you get what I'm saying? Like I I like, yeah. I don't per, personally. I've I've been quiet about it. Like I don't understand why you would put a great piece of art onto a flip flop. <laughs> yeah. Right, like, why? Why do? And, and, and should I be happy that like you're grinding your dirty, nasty foot into my <laughs> artwork every day, and like it's getting like brown and and like you're like well, I don't understand like what? And okay, like you print it on a towel, like you're wiping your balls with my artwork. Like, am I supposed to be like honored Dude, that you? you, you, <laughs> you know that somebody's gonna invent or like buy a house and have like their unsigs like overlaid on every part of the house. Like, like that's going to happen someday. Yeah, so I mean, I'm sure I, that'll happen. There, there's tasteful. Like my, my, my wife has asked me cause like, I, I like this guy's uh, vans that he tweeted out. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah I saw that. Yeah. And, and I, I said, well, there's, there's two, two big differences with me. Like, yes, they're both on the foot. But his foot is not grinding into my artwork, right? <laughs> so that's one thing. And two, yeah. like that's his own personal expression of his love for his unsig that he owns, which to yes. me is quite a different thing than like trying to sell merch with unsigs on it. Again, I, I have Definitely. no problem with people selling merch with their unsigs on it. Like if they want to do that, yeah. that that's totally up to them. And uh, I've tried right, to yeah. stay quiet on it until now, I think, because like it's just like you could do whatever you want. Like to a certain extent, these are bigger and beyond me. And what I say or think doesn't really matter. And I don't, I don't, didn't want to clamp it down. I'm just saying, me as an individual, like that's my reaction or feeling to seeing like low quality print on demand merch. You know, like, I yeah. don't know, you know what cafe presses? Like, that, that was a thing, you know, like. I've heard of it. I'm not very you know, familiar, like, though. Like, stupid shit on coffee mugs and t shirts and, you know, uh, you yeah, just, yeah. Okay, you yeah. do whatever you want, right? Um, yeah, but yeah, and anybody can make like, money off that. <laughs> but like usually, usually, like the print starts to wear after two or three washes in the washing machine, right? Like it's not like, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it bleeds yeah. together. Absolutely, and it, absolutely, like yeah. Nothing. So not great. That's yeah, that. no, but I, the the terms though, that's that's cool. I, I don't think any other NFT has really done that, have they? I th I I mean, it's 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 funny. I I like this idea and evolution of like what independent uh, conversion evolution what, what is the thing when like multiple species without a common uh, genealogical oh, yeah. ancestor they, they, develop they the same the solution same right yeah um, yeah yeah from across know, the and, globe or something yeah super and cool. so so i i think bayc and maybe crypto like they do similar things and and to me what that means right. is like that verifies that that's a good idea Yes. Right. Yes. If like, it's happening um, outside of the actual circle you're in, right. in multiple places, then yeah. clearly there's a function that, That's for a it. decent solution to to this problem. And so, for me, like I I, I came into NFTs through Space Buds, through Cardano mm -hmm. Bits, and through, like I didn't know what an NFT was until I know about Crypto Kitties from a long time ago, right? In Ethereum, yeah, along yeah. like uh, that's why there's no. Uh, cat coins because there's already crypto kitties <laughs> there you uh, go like they, the, mo they monopolize that the original nft um from like three or four yeah. or five years ago or whatever but so, oh, so that I was guess, before crypto punks too or something or yeah i, I don't i don't know why maybe it's because it's like an on-chain game or whatever but i think those yeah. are like the original to my mind they sound like an nft right like it's a thing and you breed yeah, it yeah. and you whatever and that was like when ethereum first came out right like and i think yeah, we've only yeah, yeah. moved backwards like 
You can't breed crypto punks or BAYC stuff. <laughs> no, you I can't. Think you can breed dirt birds, birds but. Oh, <laughs> great. <laughs> derp, derp, derp. Um, not to plug them or anything, but. Derp, but, derp, um... derp, derp, derp. <laughs> <laughs> I'll stay quiet. Yeah. But... <laughs> no, please don't. Um, <laughs> but. Um... Uh, last thing with the crypto kitties there is that they weren't actually like tokens in there, are they? Or is I it... don't, I don't. I mean, I assume they live in smart contracts. And my understanding is like the hash of the transaction or something like indexes and creates different properties, like very similar to what we talk about now, you know. And so, like when you okay. breed two together, like you're making either you're selecting the different like uh, almost like the DNA from them, and it can be one or yeah. the other. So like it's like Tamagotchi kind of stuff, right? I think. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I never really yeah. got into it. Like I was, I was never interested in it back then. And um, but it se- seems like it seems very NFT esque to me, right? It you know, does. Like it does. Maybe the mechanics behind it or something, but whatever. But maybe because it has more to do with like the proprietary lab or company that made it. I think that that was more mm-hmm. of like a maybe it was more off chain or something like that. I don't know. But yeah, yeah, could look into it. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious. I'm gonna take a look just for all of it. Cool, man. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I, I really thank appreciate you. it. I had fun. Uh, I'm glad we didn't commit any genocide or, or horrific no. historical no, we just, acts. No, we just talked about call. it. That's all. We, we, we bonded <laughs> as uh, fellow Japs. And, uh, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'll never, I'll never think, think of that. Uh, those three letters the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we're, 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 also, we're cousins or brothers, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm going to be, uh, my friends and I are headed to Tokyo in March, actually. Um, I'm, I'm moving if, to I Portugal. I, I hope I'm not still oh. here in March. Um, but, uh, <laughs> then I hope you're not too. Then, that, that, if, if you come the to the European continent, it would be awesome to, to meet up. Part of the reason I'm doing that is yeah, like yeah. so many of the people, like the, my time zone is so shit, man. Like I, 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 I love my Aussie and Kiwi friends uh, more, more so yeah. my Kiwi than my Aussie friends because Kiwis are better than Aussies. But um, <laughs> what do we say? Uh, like I, I just want to be more a part of the community, and and it seems like Europe and Africa and then North America, like it's just easier. It's it's hard when you're trying to coordinate yeah. with multiple groups of people, and and it's, it's uh, plus I like uh, nice weather, so Portugal sounds good. There, and, uh, there you go. As long so, as the family, uh, maybe into on it, the EU side. And if you need uh, some recommendations for what to check out in Tokyo for sure hit me up offline and i will definitely hit you up for that yeah because we only have like four days there and i definitely Mm -hmm. don't want to waste any time so yeah yeah. awesome man well good good luck with that have fun and i I hope the world is somewhat back to normal by then and you can have a good time in tokyo so thank you it's been a pleasure talking to you i had a lot of fun alan uh hit me up uh if you ever want to do this again and, and i'd love to so thanks so much alex i totally will